It's all part of the plan, episode 10, DC Talk, right here on Get Into Geek. My name is Mitch, and as we said in the last episode, our next one would be the DC Slate, once it was finally unveiled. I was hoping to be here on the day of the release. Uh, That was a week ago, so it hasn't happened, but that was because we were waiting for someone far more learned than I, perhaps not as passionate about DC live action, but he's here nonetheless. He's been here, of course, before. He's a Get Into Geek veteran. Not so much on the DC shows, but Matty Gibson. Hello. Hello. This is, this is Agent Dana Scully. I'm the skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> How perfect. You are Fox Mulder. You will need to convince me that the truth is out there. <laughs> the truth is in the plan. It's in the future. <laughs> well, I did say, I think it was episode eight, and I'm like, hey, you might have noticed something. I'll explain it next week because, because something was happening that I was hoping to get you on for in Ep 9. Didn't happen. Punched out an episode. And uh, episode 10 comes along. I said, Maddie, I need we, we need to talk about this DC slate. For better or worse, we need to jump in. And from the top, I will say, look, it's been a week online. There's a lot of people talking about the DC slate. Holy right? cow, is there yes. some chatter. And a lot of it... Which is a great thing, talking about the comic book-based influence, which we're going to listen to some of the James Gunn uh, video along just to sort of keep us in line about when he announced what in what order and all that sort of thing and try and dissect even the, the planning behind that. But he was referencing a lot of comics along the way, even just the art. He might not have ever held one up, but he would. It, there would be artwork and mm. covers and direct title adaptations they're going to be making. So there's been a lot of videos that I've seen online and you shared some with me as well where they're talking about the direct comic book influences and and what it really means based on that. If you want to listen, if you haven't already, and there's no way you haven't, but if you want to listen to something much more in-depth about the comic books, this is not the podcast of the episode mm. for you. I really just want to talk about it as people who watch the movies and and even from someone who you know studied filmmaking and wanted to become a filmmaker but otherwise really just loves the way the industry works not even just what we get to watch from minute one to minute 120 watching a film or something but how it works in relation to the audience and that sort of thing so that's what how i guess we'll look at it but also just as i don't know fans of this sort of genre that's mm. how why i really wanted someone else to come in but Comic book th- movies, never seen one. No, no, we're, we're new, we'll get there. So <laughs> just a couple to catch up on. Um, but I did want to point out the fact that, yeah, the, the show has had a name change. And as I pointed out in episode eight, mm. if you're only you know newish to the podcast, or at least this particular podcast uh, of, uh, of Get Into Geek overall, you never would have noticed because I ended up going back and re-recording the tops of every podcast of... You are the most OCD person <laughs> I've ever met. I fucking love it. What... what- <laughs> Which show are we on? Which which one was? Which one is? Okay. There, there's no signage. It so was, what one was it? It was previously known as Capes and Ca- well, way back oh, when, right? That one. And okay. you'd been on it, uh, but yeah. it was mainly Ben, Clayton, Terry, and I talking about the DC TV shows, the Arrowverse. Uh, way back mm. when, we took a couple of years off because the others fell off the shows. Um, the others meaning everybody, <laughs> everybody else, you. and I'm just sitting there, just like All I'm still here. I'm like the lone soldier and the tower trying to fight off like an army I, invading. I will- I will admit when the when the Donald Faison episodes of Legends yeah. are available, I will watch those. Oh, I, think, yes. I think you need one, maybe two, right at the end before it got canned. Well, I haven't gotten to those yet, even though in real time they aired about eighteen months ago. When I get oh, to really? them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I, I think so. Um, Twelve to eighteen months ago, it's 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 been a minute. I will uh, I will get you on the pod for those ones. Then okay, great. That'll be good because I like talking to someone. Otherwise, it's just me gibbering. I go, I like this, and I didn't like this for you know twenty minutes, but. 
it was DC Talk or DC TV. We couldn't think of a fun name. So we're like, hey, let's just put an asterisk next to that to come back later. It was just DC mm. TV for years. And then we took some time off. We came back and uh, I was trying to think of something fun we could call it. I'm like, I don't know what DC TV. What are we, oh, we going to do? And we were coming up with a name for our Marvel show. And that was, you know, obviously trying to get creative there as well. And for whatever reason, I just landed on capes and cowls. So I'm like, well, that's... Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's for DC, like generally speaking, DC heroes wear capes a lot more than Marvel heroes mm. do, right? Um, even and, in, and infinitely more cows. <laughs> yes, right? So infl- I'm like, this works. Even if, pe- if I say capes and cows, people might just think Batman. But yeah. like, generally speaking, more cows, more capes, capes and cows, DC talk here and get in a geek. Uh, not the full title, but that's what I'd always find myself saying. <laughs> now, I, as I pointed out in the podcast before, we took a couple of years off. I started recording some episodes, getting back into the TV shows, um, far in delay, but I'm like, you know what? We And we did. We had a lot of people writing in and getting us on the socials and saying, hey, are you ever going to come back and do those? Because we liked, you know, mm. even though even if they didn't like the podcast, they liked the TV shows. And would you ever come back and do that? Because we were talking about Marvel stuff, you and I, uh, and Emma and Dane. As and, we tend to do. As we tend to do, and Star Wars whether as well. There's, with, whether there's with, microphones <laughs> involved or not. <laughs> God forbid. There's a show that we like and the ability to record our thoughts. <laughs> and um, they said, do you want to do, would you do DC again? I'm like, all right, well, no one's going to come back and do it with me. I'll just do it myself because I do want to watch these shows. And while I am, I... Gotham Knights notwithstanding. (laughs) That's coming out in a month. And I read the description of that. I'm like, oh my... Okay. How's it not been cancelled already? Okay, we'll get to that. But that is Dead Man Walking. Like That's a show that I think... It's it's got to have already been cancelled because of everything Gunn is planning. Meanwhile, the chick from Batgirl's like, I wish I could get cancelled like this, where people actually saw it first. <laughs> no, right. But uh, I started recording. Geez, I want to say late twenty twenty one. Didn't yeah. start bringing them out until you know the first quarter of twenty twenty two. And as I started to bring them out, as I was ready to hit published like i think i went it when i recorded them they might have been dc tv when i actually went to publish them i'm like capes and cows is cool so i re-recorded all the tops i'd recorded eight episodes i recorded just the tops as i went to hit publish cw start canceling everything all right <laughs> clean uh, house <laughs> supergirl was obviously i think done or you know got marching orders by that stage the flash they were like we don't know what's going to happen legend of tomorrow it's done they're just starting to fall and i'm like oh this sucks as i'm starting to get back into these shows which were very much still thriving when i was recording it's done okay uh well i've got them done anyway i'm just going to release them i will Make a note in um, in the extras bit of the podcast, so maybe I'll 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 record a fresh top for the first one and say, "Hey, look, I know these are cancelled. The bits that I recorded six months ago, I didn't know that. So when I start theorising about the future, know that I didn't know, and I'm not a naive <laughs> fool." So I started releasing them. It took me ages because, again, you know, I'm I'm watching shows that are two or three years old, yeah. pretending they're current. I was very much, very much more interested in you watching. Are, you are Mufasa on the ledge, just like <laughs> holding on, just like trying for the dear life yeah. to keep keep going. And Scar is everything else in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything else in your life is just like just let trying it go. to throw. Yeah, just trying to get you to let it go, but you're just like no. And I'm I didn't like, watch. These. I'm a completionist that takes a forever time to yeah. complete stuff. And um. As I'm releasing them, I'm starting to note, like, okay, I think I got to like episode seven or something. And there's, and I'll, I'm happy to name him, um, Christian Harloff. He's he's good, big in podcasting on the YouTube space. I used to listen to him when he used to do uh, work with Collider. And uh, I've, in fairness, 
and it sucks that I, he's a guy that I follow and I love, I never subscribed to his own YouTube channel. I just didn't make that um, transition from listen to it in the car and doing mm. laundry to dedicating time to sitting down and watching it on my laptop or something. Yeah, I just I've did the same. Right. There's some YouTube channels I watch that I'm not even subscribed to. Mm. It's just because I've watched a couple of them. They show up on my right. feed, so Suggested I'll watch feed. the next one. Yeah. But I'm not actually subscribed to them. Yeah, and so yeah. I never subscribed to him, so I didn't know that. And he did it. He would do it like a weekly show. And then as it, I would somehow, I maybe suggested views on YouTube and it was like, uh, he does like a superhero segment in his weekly chat that's covered a lot of pop culture. And then as it went on, I learned that this segment was called Capes and Cows. And I'm like, mm. oh my God, what are the fucking chances? Because like <laughs> when I made that, the title of this DC show uh, a year ago, I searched on yeah, I remember every us podcast, looking around right? to see I, what was around. Nothing was called Capes and Cows. So no. I knew that I was safe. Turns out that I wasn't. Um, and I'm like, oh, do I just keep going? Like, we're not as big as him. What's What difference is it going to make? And yeah. it's only a segment that he does. It's not the name of the show. But I think that section was getting really popular. And mm. so I don't know whether it's become its own thing. It might have its own playlist, you know, on his YouTube channel. I'm like, you know what? I just need to just completely get it out of the way because God forbid, you know, I... We're not making money off this show. This is just you and me sitting here, which is very nice of you because I'm just sitting at work. You've actually driven in to see me. I haven't even bought you lunch. Um, but at the moment, you know, it's not like we're making money off this or anything. It's a passion project. Yeah, I don't. I don't want. We'd you be know, talking about it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So well, yeah, yeah. It'd be on a text. It may as well be in a podcast. So I don't need Mr. Harloff as much as I love him to come after and go, "Hey, I'm suing you for that." <laughs> you know? And he's also a guest on that show. Is another guy that I love listening to. Um, and so it's like two avenues of two very popular guys in the podcast and YouTubing space that promote that show very heavily. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to come up with something different. What can I call it? You know, a Marvel show is called On Your Left. This has been the longest drum roll of all time. I know. I, I, know. I, want, you well, to, I want you to put a three-minute drum roll under everything that you've just said as a preface well, I've, to give I've us already, the new title. Every, no, we've already got the new title. Like, we've already, I don't know what it is. Oh, so you didn't, that's good. You didn't listen at the top. That's fine. That's, that, that's fine. That's good. It's been... It's been the title for eight episodes. So if you've listened to it as I've released them, you went, what? It was called Capes and Cows. No, go back and listen. It sounds seamlessly. I'll, uh, I'll say that about my editing. <laughs> Radio professional. Yeah, absolutely. It's got a new title, but I, I'm like, it's on your left for Marvel. What am I going to call the DC one? And Or something else, not Capes and Cows. What could I, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Something with secret identities, alter egos. Now that's not fun. And I'm like, is there another line? that I can use, like on your left from that moment where uh, Falcon meets Captain America in Winter Soldier. Um, do I use some line? I'm like, what do I... And I don't know what came first, but whatever I named it after, the other reference came into my head like five minutes after. I'm like, oh, I've got to do that. So it's called It's All Part of the Plan because I think you would appreciate the fact that I'm naming it that ironically... Because of the amount of plans that DC have made for their movie slates over the last 10 years. Like, this is what we're doing. And then it hasn't worked out. It's like, Mm. this is what we're doing. A cyborg movie's coming out in 2018. We're five years in and they've, like, basically forgotten that Ray Fish is alive and, (laughs) um, you know, disavowed any uh, knowledge of him. uh, What what line is that from? It's all part of the plan. Mm. You will not like this. Oh, God, here we go. It's a line... That Heath Ledger's The Joker says in The Dark Knight. Right, okay. Because it's all part of the plan. 
so yeah, that's him talking to Harvey Dent in the hospital. And right, uh, okay. I I'm, I don't know that we we don't need to play that every week, but it was like, mm. hey, this is a line from the film, and I love that. It's like an iconic line from that uh, from that Joker, but it's also mocking the fact that DC have several pans. Yeah. Don't worry, yeah, like- all these cancellations, at least failed films, and um, refresh universes. Don't worry, it's all part of the plan. And hardly enough here, we actually get to debut yeah. it to you, but start fresh with new episodes. I was going to say, is, is it too late to rename the podcast? See, my mocking title would have been Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Many Marthas. A DC podcast yeah. on Get Into Geek, yes. Martha times three. <laughs> Oh, God. A DC podcast. I was not that clever. I was yeah. not that clever. So it is a really long title, and it's not one that is synonymous in the sense of you go, oh, it's all part of the plan. Oh, that must be a DC podcast. Yeah. Like, we're never going to be searched very well yeah. uh, in, in I that I mean, it's, it's more succinct than, you know, if I'm going to quote, you know, the DC movies that I enjoy and yes. love, that's obviously a much smaller pool than what you're pulling from. So it's like, yeah. I would have never, like, you know, when is a raven like a writing desk? Like, that's not a good podcast. <laughs> like, that's not, you can't, you can't name a podcast that. Yeah, we're going to get different searches from um, different... Different, um, <laughs> different audience, I imagine. Or like, um, uh, I played this town like a harp from hell. That's not a good podcast. That's a good. That's a good it's band a gr- name. It's a great line. It's a great line. It's a great band name or a name for a song. Yeah, it's not a good podcast. They sound name. like they'd be in the top ten of the hottest one hundred. You know that, oh, that, that band. Don't be that. Okay, oh, you're right. Yeah, no. They'll be at least in a weird festival. Oh right. yeah, definitely old. They're definitely yeah. alt rock. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's all part of the plan, and I love the fact that. I can explain the story as long-winded as it was because uh, we haven't discussed this in person, so mm. I am telling you for the first time the week that the actual plan is unveiled. So I want to refer... We've got the, the video next to us because mm. it was it was a big sort of press conference situation with a lot of um, entertainment reporters in a room, and I don't know whether this was... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There were, it was just him just in a room by himself? Well, that's the thing. We're, like here, in, we're here in Australia. We're not getting an invite to go along to uh, to this press conference or anything. So we saw this on Twitter, and then I'm reading a lot of other reveals and quotes, and I'm like, he never said that. But no, he and Peter Safran, the co-CEO of DC Studios, but the the producer uh, of, of the two of them, uh, at least the guy who's got more um, producing history they were up there together with like a powerpoint display or whatever a bunch of a front of uh, you know a whole heap of journos and stuff and and walking through and answering a lot of questions but we are going to at least use the audio from this video because we don't have audio from the uh from the press conference now it is stuff obviously we've heard before people listening you've seen it you've seen it a hundred times like i have i just want to utilize that to listen to what he says about the project and the order with which he announced the new slate of DC, which he did start by saying, yep, we've got four films coming out this year, which is massive for DC anyway. They've never had that going before. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot. We've got Shazam 2 next month. We've got The Flash, which he said is still sticking with a uh, June release date this year. Then we've got Blue Beetle, which I think is in August, and then Aquaman 2 Mm. in December. Actually, I, I will play that bit because he does yeah. say some interesting stuff along the way about just, those projects. Just on that video, though, like, I mean, he does need to upgrade his uh, IMDb cover photo from what he looks like there. Mate, that's- I honestly think he looked like that five years ago. Mm. I think Guardians 2, that's what he looked like. He's um, <laughs> he's just aged a bit over the, yeah. the, the several controversies. And, uh, and, he's uh, like, Obama who? Like, I'll show, <laughs> I'll show you rapid aging. I mean, he still looks good. Like, I'm looking at... I don't think either that I'd ever heard him speak before this video. Oh. He does not sound how I thought that he would sound. Um, well, see, his brother was on Gilmore Girls for seven years. Right. So I'm very familiar with the gun. Yeah. 
vernacular. Does does that get, what's that gun's name? My God, what's Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn. Does Sean sound like he does his Craglin in real life, or does he bung yes, it on for Craglin? That's very that's very Sean Gunn. Oh, He's, excellent. He very much sounds like Scooby Doo in real life. Okay, yeah. great. Okay. Uh, not Scooby Doo. Shaggy. Shaggy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. DC has been disconnected in film and television for a long time, and it's one of you know our jobs, mine and Peter's, is to come in and make sure the DCU is connected in film, television, gaming, and animation. That the characters are consistent played by the same actors and it works within one story and if something is outside of that like Matt Reeves Batman or Todd Phillips Joker or Teen Titans Go that it is clearly labeled as DC Elseworlds outside of the mainstream DCU continuity so I mean even in just that little preamble there's a lot going on one that obviously they who knows if they're going to be Ongoing, going to have a lot more Elseworlds type, type titles, you know, because when mm. he took over and it looked like they were going to take over and reboot, and and people were worried, well, hang on, we're not going to get a Matt Reeves Batman two, you know, we really loved that, it was critically commercially successful at the start of last year, but what he's not going to be the DCU Batman, he very much said that a couple of months ago. So does that mean that film is going to not exist? But then Todd Phillips Joker two went into production, or at least was looking that way, and they were still casting, and so it's like, okay, well that's going to go ahead but not the Batman so you know the bosses said they didn't want two Batman three Batman four Batman running around but you know you're definitely going to have two so I don't know whether maybe they don't get a Batman three or maybe they get a Batman three they're probably not going to make a Joker three and then they go okay Elseworlds are done um, but I'm, I'm I like that they they're open to doing that because I I've said this I mean Marvel is very much from the top have been like it's all connected everything's in the same universe so they can't quite in the middle of all that, start doing some other titles. You know, I don't know that I'm, I I necessarily need a Superman Red Sun in the middle of a DCU Superman running around. I would fucking love to see that because that would mm. be amazing to see live action. But uh, I, I like the idea that they're very much open to saying, hey, we can just do one-offs. You know, like Joker, it might not be your traditional Joker, but like in a comic book run where some artist and, and author comes along and says, hey, you know what? We've got an idea for a four-issue, just, you know, a different take on Clayface. You know, uh, let's do this. It doesn't have to affect what's going on in the main run, but we can do that. Mm. So from the very top, they're treating this live-action adaptations of a comic book universe like a comic book universe, like in comic yeah, books where you can have five different Batman running around, but only one of them is the main continuity or, or whatnot, and the others are just different takes that people have. Well, and they've been doing that with the animated movies as well. Yeah. For, for, for years and years and years now, like, what was it, 2018, I want to say, just out of nowhere, Gotham by Gaslight, mm-hmm. which is yeah. just this weird. And it's like, it doesn't, it's like, if you like it, great. If you don't like it, it doesn't hurt anything else it's just this little sort of side thing on its own that you can do yeah. very stylized kind of thing and it's even getting a sequel um, that's recently right, yeah. I saw a trailer I forget what it's called but there's like it's another one set in that kind of steampunky kind mm. of genre and it's like well cool that's been happening all the time so yeah like I, I think that's one of the problems of, of us as a fandom is it's like Everything you see, we think it has to be the definitive version of mm. it, and it's like, well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, like you can, you can have multiple versions running around and just enjoy your own version. Yeah, you know, especially with you look at even just the last uh, what fourteen, fifteen months uh, since Spider Man No Way Home came out. 
You know, people want, hey, it's all got to be in the same continuity. Why are they even doing a Venom but not having it in the MCU? It has to be in the MCU because Venom exists as a Spider-Man bad guy. And, well, Spider-Man at the moment is Tom Holland. He exists in the MCU. You know, he's Sony and Venom's Sony, but it's a separate Sony. You'd, oh, there's so much going mm. on. People don't like that that's separate. But then Andrew Garfield comes back and everyone loves him in No Way Home. And everyone goes, give him a Spider-Man 3. Give him an amazing Spider-Man 3 and let him cap off a trilogy. That can be its own Elseworlds thing. So that people are more than happy for that. That to be the case, yeah. you know, and and you know, the the more we worry about, and for the most part, I think that the audience just looks at things and we're like, oh, and those two things are the same. How can they be the same? But really, I think in the, now that we're starting to explore the multiverse on a more mainstream level, you yeah. know, you've got your TV shows and your films that have you know talked about it, you know, for decades on TV and 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 otherwise movies that people on a mainstream level probably don't see, but when Marvel are doing it and uh, DC are going to be doing it, then more eyes are going to be on it and they're going to, you know, in spite of us, a couple of years ago my kids got introduced to the idea of a multiverse. Yeah. They now understand the basic concept of it. So people could watch two different versions of the same character running around and just be totally okay with it and understand that... I think that- sneakily it's also very c- clever too in that it's it takes almost a little bit of the pressure off. Like mm. Henry Cavill having to be the Superman. There was so much weight on there. And, you know, someone being, you know, cast as like the such and such. It's like, well, yeah. if you've got three Batman running around, mm. like we've got three Spider-Man running around at the moment. Well, four if you're including the animated Miles Morales yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like, cool, it takes that pressure off. It's yeah. like, if that one's not for you, go over this one and enjoy this one. And it's like, there's something for everybody um, rather than, yeah, everyone taking it so seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just entertainment, guys. It's and fine. retroactively, it makes the uh the, the history the beginning of whatever franchise you're watching far longer like mm. the idea now that the MCU technically started with um Spider-Man t- uh, 2002 and then there was that great meme of James Franco overlooking um Tobey Maguire and he was X-Men it was like waiting for Doctor <laughs> Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness coming out going hey when that movie comes out and we introduce some X-Men characters it's going to mean that the MCU actually started in 19 mm. no 2000, 2000. 2000 in 2000 so uh, and a I guess now with DC, once The Flash comes out, if Michael Keaton is playing the same Batman as we know him to have played, mm. then it turns out the DCU actually started in 1989 <laughs> and we just never knew about it, which is kind of cool because now like we've got three live-action Spider-Men running around. Whether they go real crazy in one of the Spider-Verse films and make him go into a live-action universe mm. and you've got Tom Holland or something, you know, we... We can do that. And I like the idea that, yeah, we don't have to be the definitive version. Like, I, you know, kind of wanted that from Tom Holland because you look at Tobey Maguire and I'm like, oh, man, he's even just like the organic web shooters. I don't like that. And Garfield comes along and every bad guy's tied to Oscorp. And, you know, he he really dealt with um, Harry Osborne as Goblin before he ever dealt with Norman or he never dealt with Norman. Oh, damn it. I don't just tell what I know. And then Mm. this version comes out. And did he ever have an Uncle Ben? Maybe. It doesn't matter. Aunt May was kind of his Uncle Ben. And, well, he doesn't have his own Norman Osborn. That Norman Osborn came from a different universe, and it's like, oh, I, I, yeah, okay, it's not, it's not that definitive one, but it's going to be definitive in its own way. And like you said, with Henry Cavill, now the DC. Well, not even the DCEU anymore, even though that was never an official title. But mm. the Snyderverse films are the Elseworlds that we didn't know were existing. To, if this is going to be the start of the DCU, well, we had an Elseworlds series of films yeah. before that even ever existed. There so was, we did it backwards. It was hopefully the dark brooding version of what we're going yeah. to get. 
fingers crossed. And the thing, you can look at that now and go, oh, that's in Elseworlds. Oh, and I wonder whether that will in a way change mm. people's minds on certain aspects of that yeah. film because when Man of Steel comes out and all of a sudden you see a Wayne Tech satellite and you see a LexCorp truck, you're like, oh, shit, this is a connected universe. Oh, well, this has to be the definitive version of this character. Hang on, he just killed someone. Now, you know, we could sit here and argue and go, well, no, that's them saying he did that because then of reasons after. And Okay, well, Batman's like... Okay, crushing people up against walls and shooting them, uh, <laughs> but for reasons, okay, sure. And, you know, I defended a lot mm. about those movies, and then I will attack a lot of other th- changes that they made because I wanted them to be definitive versions of those characters if we were going to see them, you know, get together for the first time. But I like that now it's like, hey, we're starting clean, but uh, we're open to doing, you know, one-offs along the way, mm. whether it's films or animated movies or, uh, or TV shows or sh- limited-run series or anything like that. Um, having said that, there are changes being made or, or timings in, in, in the continuity of these characters that we're picking up on in this new DCU that are further along than what I would have assumed or maybe too early for other characters or when you put them two together, do they match up mm. early for Superman, late for Batman? We'll get into it uh, in a sec, but yeah, I, I like that because I think maybe retroactively people will look back, maybe like the prequels. Once the sequels came out and they go, oh... I didn't like The Last Jedi. She said, tell you what, Phantom Menace wasn't that bad, <laughs> yeah, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, come it. on, it was still fun. It, was, it still knew that it was George Lucas' Star Wars, not not, not <laughs> Ruin Johnson. I don't say Ruin Johnson, but you did. I, I did do. it, so you don't I have do. to. Absolutely. So I wonder whether something will come out in this mm. one and whether Superman Legacy is going to be amazing, definitive version of that character, and they look back on Man of Steel, the ones that didn't like it, and they go, mm. oh, okay, they were just doing a dark version. Oh, yeah. oh that's fine. I actually liked it. They've and done I, that. I think let part of the problem can also be, in a matter way, like these whole big announcements that mm. the studios feel that they need to do now and all the big build-up, I think in a lot of ways that's harming more than helping mm. because it's like suddenly now, like until the... the uh, what was one of the ones announced? The, um, uh, Booster Gold. Yeah. Great. Well, that's not going to come out for another, what, five years yeah, or something yeah. like that. We're going to have to sit through all these fan castings and people <laughs> going, well, it should be telling this story, should be telling this story, should be telling this story. So it's like everyone builds up their expectations and hopes of what it's going to be. Yeah. It's never going to be exactly what everybody wants. There's yeah. always going to be then a vocal section that are going to be disappointed with what it is. Yeah. So I've, I've very much taken taken a, a an approach now where it's just like, look, until especially after Batgirl, I'm like, until I get a trailer, <laughs> I have no opinion on anything. <laughs> like, it doesn't um, exist. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> exist. I don't care what it is until I get a trailer trailer <laughs> and I know that it's actually getting a release because up until that point I'm not wasting any brain space on it the other thing that I liked that he said there as well was the um, c- continuity with whoever's playing the characters will cross all mediums that's fun that's yeah. fun like to have to have someone voicing a cartoon version mm. of themselves because there's so many things that you can do in cartoons and, and animations that you can't do in yeah. real life. They just don't track. I just finished watching. So. It's been two years in the making. I just finished watching Invincible last night. Oh. And, you know, I'd heard it was only the last two episodes. And I know how violent that show was. Mm. When people go, oh, my God, it's really violent. I'm like, it's a cartoon, though. I'm like, but how like, could it be? Where they were beating yeah. the fuck out of each other and there was certain like just bodies 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 just exploding i'm like holy shit this is violent you're not you can't make that like that in if if that was a storyboard for a live action you're not getting away with that in an x-rated you know movie so there is so much you know not more so much more but there is so much other that you Mm. can do in in animation and even also like and i know he's a he's a controversial topic but joss whedon when he finished up buffy and then did season eight of buffy as a comic book suddenly like buffy's little 
little sister got giantized, and mm-hmm. she was a giant person. And then you flip a. Pa- I still remember reading it, flipping the page because they were fighting like the yakuza, and they flip a page, and there's a giant mecha version of her sister that she suddenly has a fight with, like it's Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla <laughs> in the middle of downtown Tokyo, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like. That was never going to happen on a on a TV budget on UPN yeah, yeah, back yeah. in 2003. So you, they could get away with doing crazy shit like that. Yeah. And yeah, so it's like when you do an animated version of something, you can get crazy with it. You can mm. go wild. And yeah, to have that, that actor voice the character is, is a cool touch. Because there's something, there must just be some weird block in our mind. Because if you saw that in live action, you'd be like, Oh, what's happened to this you're show? Like, oh, this is bullshit. What's happened to this show? But you're reading the what comic in book. the Legends of Tomorrow is this? <laughs> and you're like, oh, interesting. Cool. I wonder what he's going to do with this. And, yeah. you know, we, we talk a lot uh, of Star Wars here on Geek as well. And I remember when I first got to that moment towards the end of Rebels and Ahsoka and Ezra in that world between worlds. And they're essentially yeah. like going back in time and going to different, you know, jumping through wormholes um, between different moments of space time, not even just um, actual time. Ooh. And I'm like, oh, this is, yeah, well, okay, this is a cool um, That's a other, big jump for Star Wars. You did that in live action. If they did that in, like, The Mandalorian, I'd be like, oh, this show doesn't know what it's doing. The but Bendu. You do it- Imagine if they did The Bendu in live yeah, action. Yeah, like, right. Like, people would be like, what in the actual fuck? Yeah, but you do it in, in, in a cartoon. It's like, yeah, that, somehow you accept that. It, you yeah. know it's still in the same world, but you still accept it as as being, well, it's more okay mm. here. I mean, maybe when Ahsoka comes out, I, based on the logo and the and the cover art of, of that show when they first announced it, yeah. I think they're going to be delving back. But that we'll save that for our... um. Star Wars chat. Um, but yeah, I like it because uh, of the, the voice work thing because you look at What If when that came out uh, for mm. Marvel. That was massive when they go, hey, Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange in the show. And you're like, Hold, holy sh, really? And like, yeah, Hayley Atwell's coming back as uh, as as Peggy. Oh my God, that's, did that's Chadwick huge. Did Chadwick Boseman win an award for he his did. voice work yep. on that? Posthumous yeah. award for doing voice work uh, in that, which is which is great. Michael Rooker came back for it. But then Chris Hemsworth didn't do Thor. And it was like, oh, that mm. didn't sound great. And then the guy who did Tony Stark was very much doing a Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark impersonation, but almost not enough of one. It was yeah. like he wanted to familiarize you with it, they but have then do cup- his own take. They have a couple of those in the bank from Avengers Assemble and yeah. Earth's Mightiest Heroes, yeah, which right. are, you know, came out about the same time as yeah. the, the original Iron Man movie. So they've yeah. kind of been spoofing um, RDJ's voice. Right, then. okay, yeah. Did, um, didn't Brie Larson do the, her voice as well? Yeah, she did, yeah. yeah. So they, I mean, for the, they would have had, you know, 60 or 70% of their of their mm. main cast come back and, uh, and do the voices. But uh, it was still very much a big deal, the idea that, hey, I know this show is canon. It's part of the mythology, but holy shit, they're actually bringing in the live action actors to do this. This is massive. James Gunn is saying, no, no, no. That's going to be part of their contract from day one. We're signing these guys up. If Batman appears in a film and then has a one-episode mm-hmm. run on a TV show, it's the same guy. If we make a video game, strap yourself into a recording booth, buddy, because you're Batman in the video game as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, that kind of sucks if you're a voice actor. It does. Um, but, like, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like any, you know, uh, CGI or, or animated film since... The Lion King or something. It's like you know you had James L. Jones and Jeremy Irons and uh, and and Matthew Broderick in in The Lion King. It's like those are massive roles and they were big names in Hollywood. Well, you know, recognizable names in Hollywood. So mm. voice actors unfortunately have been losing their gigs to people that look good on a marketing and promotional trail yeah. for decades now. I mean, I guess I'm I'm thinking more of like like John DiMaggio, the mm. voice of Bender from Futurama. Yeah, he is the voice of the Joker in uh, one of my favorite animated films, yeah. which is. Under the Red Hood. Yeah, he's so he's never going to get cast as no. the Joker in real life. Yeah, but 
he's fa- uh, uh, I, f- I forget the pronunciation of the last name. Uh, Gray Delisle. She's mm. one of the most epic voice actors ever. Like she's voiced so many of my favorite characters, like Jean Grey and that mm. kind of stuff. And it's like, I love that kind of stuff. So it sucks for them. Yeah, but. It's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be nice to see that little bit of continuity. So not that they're gonna they're still gonna have plenty of work. There's still plenty of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, but yeah. There's just certain things like that. The really big stuff that they're mm. gonna um, not uh, get the opportunity for. I wonder how that changes to contracts because you know there's that sort of cautionary tale in the MCU. Not to keep bringing it up and comparing it, but I mean it's it is a franchise now. It's 15 years old, so trying to do essentially the same thing. Where Robert Downey Jr. got to. Was it Iron Man 3, I think, the last of his contract? Maybe it was a five-picture deal. So by that stage, getting to a a renewal stage, whatever movie Mm. it was. And he's like, you know, I want this much money. And they're like, oh, fuck, we we actually have to pay him that. And so he got so much money, whereas anyone that came on after that, it was like, no, 10-picture deal for... $800,000 $800,000 each or something, you know, yeah. and you'll go up with every film by 150k or half a million or whatever it was going to be. Whereas Robert Downey from almost, you know, his what fourth or fifth film was getting $20 million a picture, you yeah. know, plus back end. Plus back end. Yeah. Abs- like the amount of money I think I've, based on what he would have earned from like Endgame or something is mm. astronomical. So, you know, Gunn having, I guess, worked in that world, but also just having producing prowess and Peter Safran and knowing that they're trying to build this huge uh, future. Mm. I wonder how that's going to affect who they're able to get yeah because there is already those fan castings that are going around and it's like yeah that person's not signing up the next Mm. 15 years of their life across four different mediums yeah i think it does put a bit of extra pressure on getting the casting right too i know when uh, ms marvel came out i wasn't particularly looking forward to it because my only experience with that character in the past Mm. had been the animated version of her in avengers assemble Incredibly unlikable, just with the the voice acting and then and the 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 way she was written. So I was like, oh god, this character is going to be so annoying. Watch the live action show. I'm mm. like, she's fucking amazing. Yeah, she's so endearing. Mm. I love this character. She's great. So yeah, it's that same. Like if if they had uh, what was what's the actress's name who does live action Ms. Marvel? Uh, Aman Vellani. Aman Vellani. That's it. Yeah. So it's like if she had voiced. Um, Ms. Marvel back for the Avengers Assemble cartoon, mm. I reckon I probably would have been in love with that character from back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of where my brain is at going, yeah, cool. If, if you know, if they cast it right and they're still writing good stories and stuff, that's going to be cool. Yeah. And, and it might help too getting, as I hope they generally speaking will do, um, is get unknowns because, mm. you know, Henry Cavill was great. Like he'd done stuff people had seen him, but for the most part it was like, who are we going to get to possibly replace, you know, the, who, who's going to be this version of Christopher Reeve? And then Brandon Routh come along and say, hey, you look like Christopher Reeve kind of. We're kind of doing a sequel, so you're going to be it, right? This is a new take. You need some guy's fresh face. Okay, he was yeah, fresh absolutely. face. Whereas you get his Batman, everyone knows Ben Affleck, and immediately you're judging him comparing him he was only Mm. cast four years after well he was cast two years after we last saw a christian bale but we saw him on screen four years after people didn't like what they did with the character it's immediately attributed to the actor playing him more than the writer or the director at that point even um that happened to michael keaton when Mm. he got cast way back obviously the internet didn't exist at that point in the way it does now but yeah it's like people just like ew he's a he's like he's that's like going oh we're gonna cast tom hanks as batman people are gonna be like Ew, why? Yeah. <laughs> why would you do that? Yeah. And then Keaton was freaking awesome. It's great, yeah. And yeah. People look back and go, ah, that's the definitive performance of, mm. of that character in uh, in live action. So it'll be interesting to see how many known actors they get 
mm. based on the contracts that surely they're going to have to sign away and how much they're willing to sign up for. I mean, it's going to be plenty of work for them. So, you know, you, you get an actor who just wants mm. to comfortably sit back and, no, I love this character. I will play this character until I die. Yeah. Um, Great. Uh, David Blue, who's a Stargate actor from Stargate Universe. Oh yeah, he's already on. He's on Twitter. He's being like uh, Booster Gold. I look, look. He's like putting photos of him <laughs> yeah. next to like comic book shots yep. of Booster Gold, being like, uh, James, hi, I'm over here. No, that's great. Yeah, over here, out of work actor. <laughs> I'll do it for cheap. Yeah, and I'll do it for. I'm, ca- I'm Canadian, yeah. so I'm cheap. And I know you're a sci-fi television fan, so you know. I know you've seen my yeah, work. Yeah, I know you know? you've seen my shit. <laughs> now, Peter and I have gotten pretty lucky in terms of the four projects that are coming out over the next year. First, we have Shazam. Fury of the Gods. Shazam has always been off kind of in his own part of the DCU, so he connects very well. That moves directly into The Flash, a fantastic movie that I really love that resets the entire DC universe. Then to move into Blue Beetle, a fantastic film about a kid who's a marvelous part of the DCU, and then into Aquaman 2, which leads directly into our next few projects, which I'm going to tell you about now. Not right now, you know. Not quite. So, yeah, Shazam, it was interesting. Before the trailer came out um, a couple of weeks ago, people were like, well, I mean, we're going to watch a trailer and this is going to be the end film. And, you know, we're so married to the idea of trilogies now, which I kind of... Yeah. You know, hate that people just go, oh, well, it has to be a three-film thing. So the trailer comes out, people are like, okay, well, that's going to be it. And then he jumps on there and says, yeah, he's just in a little separate pocket, but uh, it connects pretty well. It's like, how well? Because it also didn't really connect to Black Adam because if you believe what you read, The Rock said, I'm not showing up in Shazam 2. I'm my own character. He can show up in mine film, except that he won't because I won't allow it. I want Superman. I want the big guy. So Shazam's not really connected to Black Adam, which has been told to just, you know, take a seat. We might not ever get back to you. Um, Which is weird because Superman was in both those films. Right. But maybe, you know, even though it'll be a different suit, can it just be like, oh, Superman was just wearing a practice suit the day that he walked into the cafeteria in Shazam (laughs) 1. And they could very much still keep him. I mean, saying that, how much longer are they going to get out of the child actors? The trailer for number two, it's like, you're getting old. Like, how much longer can they do that? I don't know much about the history of the character, so I can't say what other iterations they can bring ahead and how else that might fit. Doesn't really Mm. matter. But that looks like it could still be safe to continue on because it's never been connected enough. Yeah, Henry Cavill's version of Superman was there, but we never saw him, so they don't have to backtrack too hard. It was never connected to Black Adam, so the fact that that character doesn't exist in the Mm. franchise at the moment doesn't really matter. So it's safe because of how little they did with it. The weirdest thing I thought he said there, and maybe it's just a weird vernacular thing, but he's like, so after that is The Flash, which is going to reset DC. Yeah. But then Blue Beetle and Aquaman 2 come after that. So I'm like, how is it going to reset it if we're still getting the second Jason Momoa Mm, Aquaman mm, film mm. later? I'm like, And then you go back to, we had it on the the episode, uh, what, last week, the week before, whenever uh, it was that Jason Momoa had that video of his own come out and Mm. he was walking out of Warner Brothers. He said he'd just spoken to Peter, to James, and then David Zaslav's the big head of Warner Brothers Discovery. He probably wasn't in that meeting. Maybe he was. Mm. But he said... He was so excited. He's oh, like, I've got massive. The internet's just like, Lobo, he's Lobo. Yeah. He's finally going to be Lobo. Yeah. And then he came out on an interview on uh, Variety, I think, and said, yeah, I can't say what it is, but it's not, no one's taking Aquaman off me. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's not resetting Aquaman. He's like, yeah, no one's taking shit from me, I think was his direct <laughs> quote. He said, no one else is going to be Aquaman. But then ended the, the answer with, 
and there might be some other characters along the way and I can be charming and I can be this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so you kind of, again, the internet went wild saying he's still Aquaman, but he might also play a second character. Well, if they're opening up Elseworlds, then... True. You know. Since then, I... Uh, I think it was Safran. Uh, he came out and said, "No, we will not have one actor play two characters." So that it might not kill the Elseworlds thing. He might play an Elseworlds Lobo, but do you bring in characters now and keep them completely separate? Ooh. Joker's different. We're probably going to get a Joker or at least a reference yeah. some stage in the DCU. Um, Batman certainly different because we're definitely going to have a Batman. Uh, they've got a film. They've named it. We're about to talk about it. Lobo. Generally speaking, the mainstream audience has never heard of that character, so you're mm. never going to bring him in and go, "Yeah, that's his own. He's in his own little pocket universe." We don't actually want to. Int- no, you kind of want all your toys in the same sandbox. So yeah. it's confusing what's going on because they've also said, "Hey, uh, Jason Momoa, ha- he always envisioned Aquaman as being a trilogy." It's like, well, I bet he did. Last one made a billion dollars. He's earning a lot of money, and yeah. people are married to the idea of trilogies. So. The timing, the release date stuff is interesting because I think Aquaman was supposed to be out just gone. It was going to be competing with Avatar too. It's like, hmm, you want to get as far away from those water effects yeah. as possible. I'm sure yours are going to be good, but James Cameron's not going to come second to anybody. I mean, the movie, as we record, is about to become the third biggest film of all time. Okay, you don't want to touch that. They end up pushing it back 12 months. But in there, he says, yet The Flash is still staying in June. Aquaman 2 still staying in December. But the Flash is going to reset the universe. Also, since this re- reveal, this video, him saying we're open to Ezra Miller, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, obviously Jason, um, but actors keeping their roles mm. that they've played previously. Now, if Flashpoint, which it obviously looks is going to be at least an element of this Flash movie, if not the uh, the entire sort of um, uh, baseline of it. I mean, yeah, you reset some characters. You might go back in time and all of a sudden the way that Batman is is a little bit different and he looks a little bit different because, you know, mm. the wrong, the different swimmer got, you know, when Tom and uh, and, and Martha got busy. Yeah. But oh, Aquaman still remains su- the same. Suddenly Mira looks different. Yeah, right? Suddenly Flash looks different. So if we need to get rid of these people that are causing problems yeah. for us, we can. It is the perfect reset film. But then when they mm. come out and they say, hey, Ezra Miller behaving themselves, they're learning a lot. And we're open to them remaining with the franchise. It's like, okay, they were the biggest troublemaker of all, mm. though. And they were the first person you said, we're still going to keep this yeah. film. Batgirl, see you later. Zachary, Henry Cavill. Zachary Levi. Off, hold yeah. my beer. <laughs> Give me a Twitter account and a couple of actual beers and I'll uh, I'll tweet something perhaps controversial. Who yeah. knows? So, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like, this is resetting the universe. Actually, I mean, it's kind of resetting some of it. Yeah, because we've still got two two more movies in the can that we yeah. need to, <laughs> and to release. I've again, I don't know whether this has been a confirmed thing, but I mean, we I, we spoke about it. I think on the pod, or at least we spoke about it in person, mm. uh, and then I talked about it on the pod that. Uh, Ben Affleck was on set for Aquaman. Like Jason Momoa revealed another video from on uh, set. Yeah, that's right. Ben Affleck was there. Everyone's like, "Holy shit!" Ben Affleck's going to be mm. in. Uh, in uh, he's already in the Flash, and now he's going to be in Aquaman too. He's not quitting the role. This is amazing. And then everything since then has happened, and apparently his cameo in Aquaman two has been cut. Mm. which you would assume would make sense because he is going to be in The Flash. Michael Keaton is going to be in The Flash. How those two operate and work and what the differences and similarities are, who knows? But they are both in that film. That film resets certain elements of the franchise. You don't need then Ben Affleck showing up in Aquaman when 
the DCU as we know it has kind of softly kicked off with, I guess, Blue Beetle because as a new character, mm. he can exist in his own world. Sure, he might exist where there's a Metropolis or a Gotham City or there's a Ted Court out there, you know, previously to him um, having uh, the mantle or there's a Lex Luthor somewhere. It does. It could be an Elseworlds. It could be its own individual film. Oh, I'm actually but really hoping it's going to be the sleeper hit. I, th- I I hope it will be the sleeper hit as well. I've, and seen, then, I've seen one image of it. Yeah, me too. And it looks perfect. Yep, yep. Uh, there's been no drama. They've just yep. been very quietly going about doing their work. Yep. I love the actor playing Jaime Reyes because yeah. I've seen him in like, I think I was interested in him as a kid in like Parenthood mm. uh, and then obviously Cobra Kai as well. He's really, really good. I really, really like him. Uh, I was in- only introduced to Blue Beetle maybe 10 years ago with the Young Justice cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Fast became probably my favourite season was the Blue Beetle season where it was all about the mm. scarabs and all that kind of stuff. So I am super excited for that one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm hoping it'll be like a sleeper hit. And yeah, with low expectations, people mm. aren't as critical on it. So like, well, and I've like I said, I've seen, I've seen one set image of of the actor in the Beetle costume. And I've not seen one person have a critique on it. Yeah. Every single person has gone, that is perfectly comically accurate <laughs> to what we want. So now we just have to hope that it looks good in motion and that the script is good. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm excited for that yeah, one. Could be the, I'm kind of expecting it to be the soft start. Like, they don't want to, hey, mm. we're going to Batgirl you, but not. We're going to let you have a release and then say, thanks for your time. We want Blue Beetle to come back in six years. Won't be you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we could we keep mm. looking at whenever the future may get here, but the DCU might start in August, but then have a little bit of carryover in December, but also continue. And it's mm. weird. Anyway, what else does he say about what's coming up next? This is what surprised me because we're all waiting. Okay, you... Tell us. James, give it to me. Open my mouth. Pour it down my throat. Tell us what's coming up. What's first? No, give it to me. Give it to me now. Ah, fuck it. We say that all the time. (laughs) So, Peter and I, along with a group of very talented writers, have started to map out an eight to ten year plan of what DC Studios will be in film, television, and gaming. This first chapter is called Gods and Monsters. Now, this, what I'm about to tell you, is a part of the first chapter. It's not the entire first chapter. The first project is Creature Commandos. Creature Commandos is an animated series. I've written all the episodes. Something we're going to do that's a little bit different at DC is we're going to have characters move into animation, out of animation, usually having the same actor play their voice as who plays them in live action. Never heard of it. Nope. And yeah. like I said at the top, if uh, you've come here for people wanting to dissect how the uh, what comic influences are going to inspire these shows, this is not for you. We're talking about it from, a, a, generally speaking, a mainstream fan's point of view, but mm. also we've loved these characters for a long time. You've seen a lot more different mediums of them. You know, you've read comics and books and, and TV shows and animation stuff that I've mm. never seen. So for that to be the first one, I mean, from the outset, this is very much a comic book reader's Slate, or at least yeah. comic book readers reveal. This is for them, which is great because that otherwise doesn't happen and has never happened. And the thing is, that's where the stories come from. Sure, the adaptations are for everybody, but those everybody's will come along. Those everybody's will only know they've got to go along to see a Blue Beetle film, not because they're seeing images like you and I online a year yeah. out. They'll see an ad in June and go, oh, yeah. that looks all right. You but know, I, and I they'll think, go yeah, along. I think it's a good way to build trust and build goodwill with the fandom that they're trying to create stuff for because mm. it's like if they suddenly went okay hard reset we're starting from scratch we're doing uh superman and it's like everyone's gonna be like oh fuck again man. and it, again 
you know, okay, we're going to have to go through this again. And there's going to be all that added pressure. Mm. You start with something like this that is a little more niche and has a small, slightly smaller fan base. You know, it's not instantly recognisable to everybody. It's only for the real comic book fans. Mm. There's a little, the pressure's off. I mean, and given that it's James Gunn, it's like back when it was announced, what, 2012, when they're like, hey, we're going to do an MCU film, a little thing called Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And 99% of the time we went, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and... So we all went in with low expectations, and we—I don't know someone who doesn't like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like mm. it's fun as hell. So it's still, like, still, there's a lot of people out there you ask, and that's their favourite in the yeah. entire franchise. And I yeah. thought surely by now, when we've you know had a, an Infinity War or something like that, or a culmination. A friend film. of mine was on a podcast with some people, and one of the people on the podcast said that their favourite film, uh, MCU film of all time, was Guardians of the Galaxy Two. And I was oh. like, Are you smoking crack? Yeah. Like I hope that it's will get fine, but it's. it's not fine, a favorite. Yeah. Come on yeah. now. Um, so yeah, what, who are they? The the who? Creature Commando. Creature so Commando. I mean, you look on there. There's sure. Frankenstein. There's like Brighter Frankenstein. I think this bearded guy. This is going to sound oh, so I, dumb. I thought, to- I thought that was Freakazoid. Remember? <laughs> yeah, that's a WB property. Freakazoid. I could make it work. Anything could join the franchise eventually. Mm. Again, this is going to make comic book readers just giggle. But uh, listening to one, I believe this is what they said. That bearded human guy, the only humanoid one looking there, mm. that is Rick Flag. Senior. Oh. Obviously, we've seen Rick Flag in both Suicide Squad films. He's dead. Mm. Is the Suicide Squad going to continue on? That is kind of an offshoot of the DCEU, as it was mm. known, but the Snyderverse, but also was a gun property. He's going to want to keep some of those characters and those well, iterations and those keep, actors. He's keeping Viola Davis's Amanda Waller. Waller right. So. And his wife, uh, Jennifer Holland, uh, he obviously wrote the character for her in The Suicide Squad, brought her back for Peacemaker, and then she had a little cameo in Black Adam. That's right. But it's like, you take away Black Adam... Well, you just take away her coming on that. You don't take away her entire role. So mm. is she going to continue on? So is Rick Flagg Jr. dead? Uh, and this Rick Flagg Sr. going to come into the world because of the absence of his son or something? And then over there you've got uh, Weasel was uh, was the first one on the left-hand side of the image there who we obviously saw in the Suicide Squad as the really creepy... Oh, yes, at the start. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, who'd done some uh, yeah. freaky-deaky shit. I mean, shit. yeah, like... Suicide, suicide, the Suicide Squad was obviously much better than Suicide Squad, and obviously which led into Peacemaker, mm. and then also like I, I, I haven't seen it, but I believe like Doom Patrol has a pretty solid following in terms of yeah, people were pretty upset when they got cancelled. Yeah, they were like, like it's surely it's, John uh, James, you could make this fit your world. It doesn't yeah, have like, enough connections for you to not be able to squeeze this in. Like when I look at that lineup, not knowing any of those people, I go, yeah, that kind of looks like Doom Patrol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, if they, if they can make Doom Patrol work on a TV budget and keep the the hardcore fans of Doom Patrol happy, mm. then something like this, I'm like, yeah, cool, all right, yeah, give me the trailer, all right. And it, like, it's the first announced in the slate and the reveal here. It doesn't necessarily mean, of course, that it's going to be the first one to come out. Oh, doesn't it? I, I thought know. He, I thought I, he was going chronologically. I don't, well, he might be, but I, I kind of don't think so. But what he says is that he has written. I have mm. written all the episodes. When he talks about Waller immediately after this, he says it is being written by. And then I think they said about Peacemaker Season 2 that he hasn't written those yet. Even though that was yeah, greenlit okay. a year ago yeah, and they wow. said he will cuz he I think wrote most of the episodes but didn't direct them all or mm. maybe wrote them all but did, you know what this one he was going to write and direct every episode. Now, wow. having said that, this was before he took over their entire yeah. studio. So maybe he's a little bit busy and he won't do that anymore, but I think as I've read in another report 
you know, you look between the lines. He's just too busy at the moment to have written all the episodes. So yeah, maybe you don't because- want to be. Um, was it? There's, there's what? There's there's other. There's what's the guy from the Arrowverse? What's his name? Uh, Belanti. Belanti. He's obviously got his fingers. As in- if you don't know, mate. You you chuck I, darts at that. Name I literally at home. had a black guy blocked him out because in my mind I was I'd I'd already thought of Shonda from the Shondaland. Like she's in <laughs> yeah. she's in four thousand things. <laughs> yeah. And then Ryan Murphy is in five thousand things as well. So it's like they're not they're not all writing ev- and directing every single thing yeah. that they're that they're getting paid for. <laughs> um, you know. So yeah, he's obviously you know added a little bit more to his um to his plate. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But you're right. Maybe because. In, in my, again, my brain, I hear them in this order and I go, oh, that's the order they're coming out in. Mm. Whether or not they will all follow each other like that, because as he said, this is only part of chapter one. Yeah. So part of I, their first phase. I, I guess we shouldn't assume, you know, that's, that's that saying. When you assume, hey? you make an ass out of you and me. And you get so. cancelled as well sometimes, you know, yeah. take it far enough. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I'm still waiting for the, that Gambit movie that they announced. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Tanning Tatum's done with Magic Mike now. I mean, maybe he'll come back. <laughs> There's still time. But yeah, I guess with him having written all the episodes and it is animation not that animation's easy but you know they could have already been working on this and they could probably get it done easier along the way you don't have to wait for the cast to come along but they I mean they're going to have to cast them soon so mm. the only one they have dated at this point is Superman Legacy which I think was the third thing they announced uh, in the reveal and that's for June or July 2025 there's no way we're not yeah. seeing anything until the mid of 2025 when we've got four films this year mm. they're not taking a hard year and a half gap year before we see any content so it would make sense that well, what are we going to see first are we going to see an animated show what's next uh, a, a live action TV show based on a character that you've seen in two other films and also she's played by like one of the greatest actresses we've ever had in Viola Davis EGOT. she's an EGOT now is she of course yep. she is She's a, like she's amazing to the point where I watch this and I'm like, how did you get her for a TV show? It's one right. thing to pull her in to be Amanda Waller in a Suicide Squad. You could have her on set for a week or two, like, get her to cover the entire film, but put her in that super unflattering hair. Yeah. And, yeah. and she's just like, yeah, yep. let's do it. Even she came back for a cameo in Peacemaker. Like, it's one thing yeah. for her daughter to be there and go, oh, I'm calling mum. Oh, there's mum. I just saw her. Mm. You missed, missed her. And then she comes, again, one shot. But like you said, she when that weird pantsuit and awful haircut, Viola Davis is like, yeah, man, I'll do it for you. Yeah. Easy. And like, She's one of those people that I will follow anyway. Like, whatever she does, yeah. and I will I will watch it. She feels like she's been around forever because of how much work she's done, but she's yeah. still relatively young. Like, she's mid-50s or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she could play this role for a long, Absolutely. long time and do some really cool shit with it. Mm. Next project up is Waller. This is a story of Amanda Waller played by Viola Davis. Viola Davis is going to team up with members of Team Peacemaker and this is a story that's been created by Crystal Henry who did Watchmen and Jeremy Carver who created the Doom Patrol. It is a fantastic story that's out of this world and I can't wait for people to see it. So that's kind of cool. Like the Watchmen TV show, which people mm. love. So we got a writer on from that. And the fact that he said it's going to have cast members from Peacemakers. So I guess it's like a soft sequel series to yeah. that where it's like, I haven't written season two, but we're going to bring them that, over. That gives me a little bit more hope because it's any of the animated Suicide Squad films that I've seen, I haven't been a huge fan of. Yeah, okay. I the first one sucked. <laughs> Second one was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't blow my mind or anything like that, but it was decent. Like, mm. it was watchable. But Peacemaker, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Peacemaker, the, the show, I really, really, really enjoyed. Yeah, that enjoyed. was fun. Like, it was I think episode dumb, maybe, but like... Maybe two or three. Episode two or three, I was like, 
fading off a little bit. Yeah, it felt like the joke was too repetitive. And then yeah. I pushed through, and once I got it, I was like, oh, this is actually really, really cool. Especially that, that season finale, too. Like, that was just a mm. really fun, over-the-top episode. And even though yeah. I'd heard about the Justice League coming out at the end, it's I still loved it. Like, yeah. how angry he was at them, and, and the little banter between Aquaman and Ezra Miller. And, and I don't know, I, I just I loved a lot about that show. And, yeah. and I was a bit skeptical going into it, because I'm like, oh, I loved him in the movie. I don't know that I need, like, eight hours more of his story and I guess now that it's on TV they can have even more slapstick fun with it and and dialogue that is not serious at all. Yeah. But I'm like I can't help but just really get charmed by it at the same time. And I'm a huge fan of and I'm blanking on her name with the actress who played Amanda Waller's daughter. Yeah, Um, I can't remember. She's from Orange is the New Black. Oh, of course she is. She's so phenomenal in that. Like I fell in love with her with that show so when I found out she was going to be in this I was like great. Yeah. And then the guy that played like the the sidekick, what was uh, in the oh, green yeah. outfit? Yeah, I'm, I've watched him from Unreal, mm. which is another one of my favourite shows. So he was in that. So I was just like, oh, this is a great cast coming together, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed the whole thing. So yeah, if there's gonna be little snippets from that coming across into Walla, yeah, adding in Viola Davis as well, it's like cool. And awesome. so far, two you would imagine two very tonally different shows, mm. and one's animation and one's live actions. They're already setting the standard. Hey. This is not going to be cookie cutter. Everything that we do, animation, live action, television, is going to be the same thing. Yeah. Next up is the big one, the true beginning of the Sounds DCU. A little bit Trump. This is called Superman Legacy. This is being written by me. I'm in the middle of it. I'm having a great time doing it. And Superman will be released into theaters July 11th, 2025. <laughs> I know nothing about this one. Okay. I, that, that particular story that comic i've not read it all star superman yeah yeah, i know nothing about it i've heard very good things about it people seem to be excited about it one of the great thing since this um reveal a week ago so many comic books have sold out um superman all all star superman like i liked it before it was cool (laughs) i felt that superiority it's like when when i've had like a uh you know a captain marvel figurine in my house for the last 14 years or something like that yeah and then when it was announced i was like well look at me i'm (laughs) totally ahead of the curve that's me and the phantom mate i just keep waiting for the phantom to come back into into style hey look at me with my thousands of comics and stuff hey right those boxes in your garage get you're all just like plastered (laughs) across your walls yeah they're gonna move into the lounge room they're gonna be actual proper (laughs) furniture it's funny you said that about his voice uh because like i said at the top i've never really heard him speak before and so when i'm listening to this i'm like he sounds a little bit like trump (laughs) and i know how much he hate trump because i think i think it was half the reason he got undone with those old tweets is that he's pissing off a certain part of his readership then went back through looking for something controversial found something went hey 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 yeah, what about this arsehole? Hey, mm. take that gun. So I, I'm like, I find that really funny that he sounds a lot like the guy that he hates, and he, I would love him to do an impersonation. But um, yeah, this one obviously he revealed this uh, not too long. I think I think it was actually their their release of the Henry Cavill. Uh, not even like he. They came out since last week and said he was never fired. Because he was never hired, okay? Yeah, the his Rock contra- brought his him back in. Was, his yeah. contract was done. He hasn't so, been Superman since yeah. since Justice League. They got him back in for the reshoots. He did black at him for... I, I did read how much money it was. Because I think he, he, again, he was going to film a cameo for The Flash, and he obviously did one for Black Hat, and like $200,000 each. Like $200,000 shot for one day, Boom. and you're Superman. Great stuff. Um, but obviously, The Flash one got um, got necked, and uh, the Black Adam one is no more. But when Henry Cavill came out and made his release saying, hey, guys, look, we just had a conversation 
conversation. I'm not going to be Superman anymore. WB come out and release their thing, and and part of James Gunn's um, uh, side of that was they're saying I'm writing a new one. Uh, it's going to be about a younger Superman. So that's kind of why Henry Cavill couldn't play it. It's funny though, and we'll talk about the Batman one in a minute. But like with the Batman, uh, uh, the Brave and the Bold, and it's him with Damian Wayne. Now, we don't know that this Batman is going to have trained and said goodbye to already Dick Grayson Robin come Nightwing, Jason Todd and his seemingly death. Mm. Um, Tim Drake. Uh, Tim Drake, uh, 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 Kelly, um, oh, Car- little- Carrie Kelly. Yeah, Carrie Kelly, you know, which is you know always a weird thing. Yeah. Then it's like, has Barbara Gordon been in and out as well? Yeah. You know? Does all that happen and then all of a sudden he gets his son with Talia Ra Ghul show up? Like, mm. surely then now, uh, you know what? He could have poked Talia in his late or mid to late teens Charming. when he's <laughs> poked. So charming. I was trying. I was trying to be vulgar for the yeah. for the point, um, but now I feel like a monster. <laughs> um, you know, he could have. They could have had a child that he didn't know about mm. when he was in his mid to late teens when he's training with Rachel Ghoul or something, yeah. right? So theoretically, yeah, we don't even know what age they're going to skew. Exactly. Um, so Damien Wayne, like, I don't want to see a fucking ten year old putting on the Robin. Costume. I don't want to see someone too much older than that because one thing oh, I do, really? yes, yeah, I want like I want like a fifteen. Want, oh well, yeah, okay, fifteen would like be 15, fine. 16. Yeah, I'm like, not saying I want ten, but I'm like. A 12-year-old, I wouldn't say no to that character's age because, you know, as much as I look back in fondness, some of them, you know, okay, not great movies. I know that you, in the grand scheme of things, don't mind them, but like Batman and Robin, because you actually revealed that's really high on your list the other week. Absolutely. It is. It is fun. I I say quotes to that to my kids. They've never even seen the film. I was like, I still see you. I don't even know if that's in the film. I've just just invented that in my own head. But um. You know, you look at Chris O'Donnell and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that's that's movie Robin. Yeah. And then, you know, they haven't brought him. They've been scared to do that. And at least yeah. when you had Brenton Thwaites or have, because they've still got a couple of episodes left to go before that. It also has been cancelled. <laughs> DC be cancelling. Um, Brenton Thwaites, you D- know. DC definitely cancelled. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, you know, he's playing by that stage. He's turning into Nightwing, so yeah. he has aged out of being Robin, but you kind of get the backstory that he was Robin for a while when he was really yeah. young, but we didn't see that. Yeah. Now, I understand the idea that it's it's a bit icky to watch that on screen, and back in the Dark Knight days, I think someone asked Christian Bale, or maybe even uh, Christopher Nolan, and uh, they said, "Where's what about Robin? Would you ever bring Robin? He goes, Robin's in a crib right now, okay? And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's that, that's probably good. He's a, you don't want to deal with him. He's, he's young, you know, and maybe yeah. that'll come in the future because at that stage, I just expected them to make Batman movies forever, not a trilogy. But Robert Pattinson, I think, last year said that if they ever brought Robin into that universe, he would like to see a young actor play him and see Robin like he is in the comics when he's brought in, you know, at least an early teenager because this Batman is so messed up, he would probably make that messed up of a decision in a mainstream film and that would further delve into how fractured his Mm. psyche is. Now... This universe probably not going to be as dark as the Matt Reeves Batman. I hope that Batman in the DCU is darker than Superman in the DCU, and they just make that work because that's what makes mm. those characters so great as as partners yeah. and as they like, kind yeah, of rivals. It's, it's the like I had no problem with the X twenty three and Logan dynamic. Yeah, like someone that young. Yeah, she was kicking ass in that movie. Yes. she was destroying fully grown men as a child. 
But that was, they were specifically hunting her, chasing her. It was a survival scenario. It's not like Logan was putting her in a costume and saying, hey, you're my sidekick. We're going to start going out having adventures on a weekly basis. I think that's where I have the disconnect where I'm like, yeah, I don't want to see Bruce Wayne thinking putting a 10-year-old in a costume. And, and even if he is, you know, you know the the son of a of a um of an assassin like in in Talia al Ghul and mm. it's like and he's you know a badass like X23 was i'm just like oh, i don't know if i want to see him like think that putting putting him in a, a yellow cape and a red tunic yeah. and a mask is a good idea <laughs> like is that a batman i'm going to believe yeah 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 is that mm. and that's and again like when i've seen the animated shows like you know the old school batman robin that we grew up on mm. the the um Kevin Conroy, mm. it's like, well, the first Robin we saw in those first couple of seasons was, you know, more like 17, yeah. 18, because he was getting very close to his Nightwing. But then I think in season three and four, when they kind of did a soft reboot and changed things a little bit, you had a super young, you had um, Tim Drake, mm-hmm. and he was fully like 12 or 13, but it was a cartoon, so it didn't yeah, matter. It was doesn't. fine. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, that's one of those live action things where it's like... We'll see how that goes. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Damien Wayne's probably my least favourite Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know very little about him, but I do like a lot of the other ones. So, like, yeah. by default, he's my least favourite. Yeah, well, I mean, very much in what I was talking earlier about Ms. Marvel, it's like the only Damien Wayne I've really been exposed to is the Damien Wayne in the um, cartoon mm. movies. Mm. And he's very unlikable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very <laughs> unlikable in those films. <laughs> Which like, I've heard is kind of like he was very much like that in the comics as well. And yeah, people yeah, hated yeah. him. And then different writers, and not that like he was written poorly, it's just you were, I guess, he was by design yeah. unlikable. And yeah. they found ways I mean, to use that unlikability. Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, yeah. Tony Stark. That's an unlikable character. Yes, that's yeah. a piece of shit human yeah. being when you first meet <laughs> him. Charmingly unlikable. Yeah, yeah. charmingly. So it's like that's what I wanted a Damien Wayne. I, yeah. I don't mind him being un- unlikable, like in universe, him being unliked by every person around him. Mm. But as a movie watcher, I need to find that charming. Yeah. in what he's doing. So yeah, the 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 voice actor that that does a lot of the animated films doesn't do that for me in mm. the same way the original Kamala Khan voice actor didn't do that for me. Mm. Whereas the live action did, so I'm like, whoever they cast for a Damien Wayne, I just, I just need that little bit of likability dick, <laughs> like just be a dick but a likable dick. Yeah, I want to talk more about uh, this, what that means about this particular Batman when we get to the Brave and the Bold and and, mm. and Gun talking about it. But at the same time, it's funny when you know we're moving on from the Snyderverse, and I can't believe what we did with you know certain iterations of of certain characters. Alexa, please in, celebrate good times <laughs> in uh, in those uh, in those films where. We're restarting. Uh, we're rebooting. We're doing things new. Uh, Henry, so, I'm so sorry. I'm too old. Too old to, too old to play Superman. Too old. Sorry, we're going to reboot. We're recast. Um, okay, for the Superman, well, we're doing a Superman who's already a couple of years into being Superman, and he's trying to find his place in the world and how his you know, alien heritage coincides with his humanity and how he can best use one for the other. And who he is in the world is a symbol of hope. And I'm like, hmm, it sounds a lot like where we left Henry Cavill's Superman. <laughs> and then when you get to Batman, if if we're to believe, and I hope that it is the case, because again, not that I need this to be the definitive version, but if we're going to have Damian Wayne, wouldn't it be interesting if he's the fourth or fifth Robin that Batman has had, but the new dynamic is that it's his son that he yeah, never knew he that, had? That's what, to me, that's what's always made Damien yeah. interesting. Now, it's, a, it's that different dynamic. Whether he is 10, 12, 16 years old, 
that's got to put Batman at a certain age. Now, either he had a little thing going on with Talia when they were training in his late teens. He could be 35, which is kind of what I wanted to see him as. I wanted to see a Batman that was maybe 8 to 10 years into really being Batman. Or he could be 45 years old and he's got a 17-year-old kid and he had a fling with Talia when he was already Batman, but he's had 15, 20 years worth of Robins along the way. So we've got an aged-out Batman who's got heaps of history with a lot with a different Robin, one that's potentially probably killed along the way and someone who I, now has to deal with things and he's, he's sort of a bit of a grumpy old man, because but he's now got thrown a child. Hmm, aside from the child, that sounds a lot like the Batman that we had in Ben Affleck. Like, and it's like, yeah. so we, we got rid of those iterations. And I'm not saying that we should have necessarily kept them, but it's like we got rid of them, we're starting fresh. Mm. But my God, we're keeping a lot of the framework, yeah. whether it even just be the age level or who the character is in Superman. Yeah. Now, if you don't have that darkness that people didn't like about Man of Steel or Batman v Superman or something like that, and you start fresh and the color palette is actually colorful, then Superman is going to seem like such a more hopeful mm. character anyway. So it's not going to feel the same uh, like it's kind of in the same way and I'll let you talk in a minute I'm so sorry um, <laughs> um, but like with Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk different Hulk than Eric Banners yeah but when we pick up Ed Norton he's in the middle of Guatemala or something He's on the run. He's been Hulk for a couple of years, but he's on the run from the army and the American government, and he's just helping out people low-key, just trying to live his own life. Where did we leave Eric Banner's Hulk five years earlier in a different film? In the middle of some South American jungle, helping people out in the key. And where did we pick up Mark Ruffalo? Where we left Ed Norton. Yeah, which at least Ed Norton and Mark Ruffalo are the same Hulk. Yeah. But... The other one's like, hey, you know what? You could kind of say that Eric Banner was the yeah. MCU Hulk, but it wasn't. But they did the story threads um, are the same. This though, it's yeah. much more about who these pull characters a, pull are. A 007. So, yeah. No, I like what you said about Thank Batman. Thank you for the 007 reference <laughs> hey, for someone who's never watched the film. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I like what you said about the Batman thing. I like. I think I would buy if if we're going to get a ten-year-old Damian Wayne. I would buy that more if there had been other Robins in the past mm. than than. Bruce Wayne, for the first time, going, I'm going to put a 10-year-old in a costume and he's going to come out with me. <laughs> yeah. Makes no sense. Whereas, yeah, I think in even maybe the first Damien Wayne animated film, it's like Batman doesn't actually give him the costume. Damien Wayne just goes and puts it on because mm. he's like, mm. I'm a fucking ninja. <laughs> um, I'm coming out with you, dude. So that would be cool. And then what you're talking about with the breakdown of what the... What's the, what's the new Superman going to be called? Superman? Legacy. Legacy. Mm. Well, I mean, if they need someone slightly older to play Jor-El, they could always get Henry Cavill in and be Jor-El. That would be a cool little... They could. A cool little thing. Yeah. I'm... I almost want to go the other way. Like, Superman has never been my favourite character, mm. ever. Mm. Like, I, Christopher Reeve movies are great, but I've never connected to the character of Superman. Mm. Never really interested me. The thing that I've enjoyed the most, and I've I've ranted on many of our podcasts about my love for Young Justice mm. and it's seeing the next generation of things. Probably my favourite character in that entire run, which is like four or five seasons now, whatever, is Connor Kent, mm. the clone mm. of Superman, but he's a teenager. Yeah. Fucking love that character. And I'm hearing really, really good things about the Jonathan Kent run mm. of um, Superman. I know that James Gunn's not going to hit that because obviously all the neckbeards are going to be like, Superman can't be bisexual. He's not allowed to be bisexual and have a boyfriend. No, that's not my Superman. <laughs> that alien that gets his powers from our son. Yeah. If he's, if he's bisexual, it won't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So, like, I would love to see a Jonathan Kent 
um, Superman run. That mm. would be really, really cool. Just because I want to see something different. So, like, yeah, yeah. a Connor Kent, Young Justice, I'm a clone that turns out my father is both um, Superman and Lex Luthor. Mm. That would be fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. yeah, like a Jonathan Kent based on what seems to be building a really strong uh, fan base as well is the um, Superman and Lois, mm. which I've seen probably one and a half seasons of so far. And I really enjoy that because yeah. it's a different take seeing Superman as a father. So when I hear about Superman Legacy, did you say it's not yeah. sinking in? Superman Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Being a young Superman, I'm like, oh. Mm. Uh, but I get it because yeah. they're starting this new thing. They want longevity in the character. So I yeah. get it. So I'm like, okay, cool. All right, let's 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 see what they can do. Yeah. Roll the fucking dice. Yeah. And like you talk about the longevity. I think that's why it gets me a bit funny about the Batman side of things. So we're going to have a somewhat young Superman, but a somewhat older Batman. Mm. And I'm like, oh, couldn't we? And I get it. Like the whole doing something different I love that but that's where I, I just can't help but get stuck in okay it doesn't need to be the definitive version but can't we kind of start at the beginning like it's I guess it's like MCU right it's like well we had two runs at Spider-Man or at that stage they only had one run at Spider-Man but we had the X-Men films uh, you know we've had a Daredevil uh, we've had um, a Fantastic Four some of those were liked others weren't and Spider-Man was great but then it went off the rails uh, look we're going to do the MCU but we're just going to never use those characters because people have seen them, they get it. We're just going to, you know, start off in the future with other characters. And I'd be like, no, d- no, I still want the mutants. And now here we are 15 years into that franchise. Mm. They didn't have the rights to the characters at the start. But still, here we are 15 years in, still haven't really seen a mutant. Yeah. We've gotten told one person is and we've heard the word otherwise used, but we haven't got a mutant. So it's, the, it's still the, using them all. And the funny thing too being that the Avengers were... That was the the bargain bin. That mm. was what was left over. Yeah. No one when Marvel had to try yeah, it's and not, sell it's not who the up. first Avengers was in the comics. It was what they had to deal yeah, with. When yeah. when when Marvel as a company was going bust mm. and they had to sell off properties to keep the doors open yeah. and the lights on, they yeah. sold off their Spider Mans and yeah. their X Mens <laughs> and their Fantastic Fours. No one wanted Iron Man and yeah. Thor. And back in the comics, it's like that was the whole reason they started making the Avengers because Iron Man couldn't sell a comic on mm. his own. Mm. Thor couldn't sell a comic on his own anymore, so that's why they had to do the team-up to become a thing. So it's amazing that it's kind of like the gold standard now. And I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about just have zero expectations Mm. going in. So Mm. it's like, I think that's the problem with, with the DC is it's like everyone wants Justice League and it's like, you have that core six slash seven Justice League members mm. and it's like there's so much expectation on that yeah. that you're never going to please everybody mm. and make it be what we all, like what the kids inside us want it to be. So I think James is doing a really good job but yeah, like throwing in all these other random Guardians of the Galaxy style characters yeah. and just going, hey, we're going to do this other stuff first mm. and that way, you know, the turns there might be a fucking Batman cameo in in Blue Beetle or something. Yeah. Like, you never know. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just start slow, test the waters and and see what's what. Mm. Okay, the next thing is a big premiere HBO television series called Lanterns. This is a story of a couple of Green Lanterns, John Stewart and Hal Jordan, and we have a few other lanterns peppered in there, but this is really a terrestrial-based TV show, which is almost like True Detective with a couple of Green Lanterns who are space cops watching over precinct Earth. In it, they discover a terrifying mystery that ties into our larger story of the DCU. 
What I like about that is that since you know the the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern, people have obviously wanted Green Lantern to come back, and you know had a small cameo in uh, in Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. But people are like, well, if we bring him back, do we have to do Hal Jordan? Like he's not even the coolest Lantern. But I was like, yeah. well, he's the first one. And do we get John Stewart or uh, do we go to um oh, line? Um, oh, the redhead guy that nobody likes. Like the other Lanterns don't uh, like Kyle. Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner. You were thinking of Kyle Rayner. Yes, there we go. Okay, yeah, sorry. No, I, was, I, got I, my, I went straight to Guy Gardner. I got my names mixed up. I don't know yeah. that history of the Greenlands. And I'm like, oh, I know one. Just happened to be the wrong one. Well <laughs> done, Mitch. So I like that they're going, no, we're bringing in mm. two. And even the, the sort of, not inspiration, but they're the... The com- comparison to True Detective—it's like, oh shit! Like, I don't, I don't see this being a dark and dirty, gritty, grainy take on the uh, on the Green Lanterns when it otherwise could be a very sort of colourful, spacefaring epic. But I like the idea of again mm. a tonal shift, a different way of telling that particular story well, because there was that there was that really really popular um, Green Lantern animated cartoon from I oh, want to yeah. say like eight or ten years ago mm. or something like that and like told us there was like a a robot chick in there and it was like one of the Red Lanterns was a main character mm. and, and and I remember people being just just so into that mm. so when they first said Green Lanterns that's why I'm like Simpsons did it because like, they've already done it you're not going to beat that one people love that one but that was the most spacey thing ever I think they were literally on a spaceship yeah. flying around space mm. I don't think they were ever on Earth. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of it, so I don't know. But, yeah, the fact that this one's going to be very Earth-based is going to be a very different take. Mm. So um, Earth Quadrant, yeah. which I like. And because of the, the extra line where he says, you know, during their sort of you know investigations, they discover this mysterious whatever that's a, a tie mm. to, I guess, you know, the, the grand threat of whether it be Chapter 1 or... Uh, the first volume if there's three chapters in one volume whatever yeah. it might be and so everyone's just kind of sitting back again comparing it to Marvel going well that's their version of Thanos so they're going to discover something to do with Darkseid and this is where we're going to see it w- regardless of what it is it's kind of cool that we've had a Superman film we don't know that the Green Lantern show is going to come out after Superman but he's listing it this way that we're going to have this big blockbuster Superman film we're going to have this um, animated uh, creature commandos Then we're going to go to a live-action series that's going to have some real solid tie-ins for the overall cinematic universe. Mm. So it's going to be sort of required viewing along the way, which is great. And the fact that it's, you know, the Green Lantern is finally getting another run. It's been 12 years since that movie. Whoever knows how many more years we're going to see it. But also a TV show, it's like, well, you've got to do it right because, I mean, there's surely going to be a lot of special effects in this, Mm. visual effects. You're going to want to, um, you know, really pump some uh, money into that budget to make it worthwhile for us. Can't be worse. Can it? (laughs) It is DC. So. Oh, oh, come on, mate. It's all part of the plan. As long as as they keep uh, Greg Berlanti out of it. It should be fine. Well, he wanted. Remember that was they were going to make a lanterns show, and That's he was going right. to. Back when I still fucked with all that bullshit, <laughs> as I like to put it. Yeah, there was that cameo in like uh, what was it? The opening of like season two or season three of Arrow, mm. where like they go to a bar, and it just pans past like a you'd only see like from neck to navel, and it's just like it's a it's a pilot's jacket that says Jordan. There's a, like a label yeah, that says Jordan. That's and right. They just pan past, and they went the to bar. like Ferris Airlines yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. and yeah. But then there was I think at the end of the the last crisis where or crossover as well that um uh add the arrow characters were involved in because that was the second last ever episode of that show uh, at the end diggle 
he had this mysterious box just showed up and he opened it. it was this green glow because everyone like it was kind of fed to us along the way that oh he's going to turn out to be a green lantern like not not oh. not in hiding but he will become a green lantern and so yeah, at right. the end it was kind of like a bit of fan service I guess because they were never going to pay off in that um, for him to open this box and it was kind of like you know any mystery box in the movie it's like you open it this green mm. glow on his face Pulp Fiction it was just that yeah. that briefcase with the glow yeah exactly and um, and then we were never to see it again but then they were going to have a green lantern type mm. TV TV show that since has been no 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 thanks we're gonna uh, yeah. we're gonna do this instead. Well, I do you remember when they did uh, what was it Justice League Unlimited or whatever it's called back in like the early two thousands? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John Stewart was like one of the main core guys in that one um, as the Green Lantern, and he was a pretty popular character. Yeah, they ha- they hooked him up with like Vixen at some point. He and Vixen were were banging boots. Yeah, right. Mm. In a kids' cartoon. Who would have thought? <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. And um, as well, mm-hmm. um, Hawk Girl. Because I remember the episode where it's like him, Hawk Girl, and Vixen all were on a mission together, yeah. and it was awkward as fuck. We might have you know eight episodes. There's a lot of ground to carry. Mm. You know, we can have a love triangle in there somewhere. Why not? Next is a big movie called The Authority. The Authority is a passion project of mine. It's based on the marvelous Wildstorm characters. We are now bringing into the DCU, and we'll interact with all of our primary DCU characters. The Authority are a group of superheroes who think the world is broken, and they want to fix it by any means necessary. I think it's a very different look at superheroes. Yeah, I'd never heard of that either. I'm not going to pretend again. You're after comic, you go to a different podcast, guys. But, um, you know, since hearing about it, they go, it's, you know, the authority is kind of like a commentary almost on the Justice League. Mm. And, you know, it's funny, we've got Creature Commandos, who are a bunch of, like, you know, ragtag weirdos put together. You've got the Suicide Squad, who are villains that are tasked with doing the missions that the heroes aren't involved with or, or you know, some, some shady shit going on. And then you've also got the authority who it's not Justice League Dark, but it's kind of like a Dark Justice League. Mm. So you've got a bunch of, you know, Omni-Mans basically running yeah. around or varied, obviously, power levels of people that are good guys, but they're, you know, the, the Punisher with superpowers, basically. Bullshit, yeah. yeah, I would almost love because... What I've been hoping for in the MCU is I want to see um, Squadron Supreme, mm. which is basically um, Marvel's little jab at DC, where it's Hyperion, which is their version of Superman. Yeah. I can't remember the Princess of Power or whatever it is. Which is the, basically, it's like it's like their version of like five or six of the Justice League characters and their villains. Yeah. Um. So I would almost love for them to just like redo the Authority, and it's actually just like Captain America, <laughs> you know, Iron Man, Thor, all those. And they're the bad guys, yeah. and then like they're, they're whoever the good guys are have to have to stop them. Mm. Um, just as a little tongue in cheek way for them to sort of play back and forward with yeah. each other, I think would be really really fun. But yeah, I've never heard of the authority, so I've got I got no idea. And again, we don't know when this is going to come out, but from a, the fact that it was announced and there wasn't a Justice League, and it feels weird to have heard about this show being a commentary on the Justice League in in some ways that this would come first mm. but I kind of lo- and that, that is overall that's one thing I love about this slate is that we're not starting it's like Iron Man it's like he's the first superhero mm. and then other people just suddenly appear reappear um, land on earth are created in the lab or whatever but he was like the start and then everything ballooned out from there this we're dropping you into the DC universe shit's already going down guys there's super powered people 
everywhere. We're just yeah. going to catch up with random people in random pockets. This one happens to be a film. Greenland's going to be a live-action television series. Creature Commandos is going to be an animated series. You know, it's just a bit of everything everywhere, but we're and dropping like it earlier, right in the middle and just catching up. Low expectations. Yes, yeah. It's I mean, Outside of people who are already fans of The Authority, mm. you know, and who, who read the comics and are big fans of that, it's And not- it's already sold out, too. Like, people are going to be getting involved in it. Yeah, yeah. they're going to be like, okay, I'm curious. I want to know what, what this is going into it. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's going to be low expectations and low risk um, for DC to do it. Mm. And then, you know, because, yeah, it it's doesn't have that ubiquitous nature. So yeah. it's just like there's only going to be that pocket of, of the whole, of the hardcore fans that are going to say whether it was done right or not. Yeah. Um, and then Nufties like you and I are going to go, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it exactly like that. Yeah, we're just going to walk in like a couple of um, golden retrievers. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was okay. It was all right. And fine. there is a, uh, I think it's still a current run or at least a, a recent run called Superman and the Authority. Oh. And apparently Superman basically put, he's like Amanda Wallering the situation where he is a superhero himself but he's, and he's Superman for God's sake. He's putting together his own little um, group of superheroes to do stuff. But aside from that, I even though the whole commentary thing, I actually I think I like the idea that this comes before Justice League because maybe yeah. the fact that we've got you know Superman out there doing stuff, he's probably met Batman. You know, Wonder Woman's doing stuff. Yeah. Maybe the Flash is you know not. We haven't heard what the Flash means in the restarted universe. But maybe they've all met and they're doing stuff, but maybe they don't have the Justice League and the actions or the reactions to the authority or just mm. the concept and the idea of them make the Justice League members realise that they have to form a group of their own of superheroes that yeah. do stuff the right way, that don't kill people to get the job done, and that always are out there to do the right thing the right way, uncorruptible, mm. blah, 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 and the authority, whether or not they're a one and done, but you know it is a movie. So, I mean, you're going to be pumping in $150 million, $200 million into this film of a group of people that no yeah. one's ever heard of. Now, like you said, <laughs> maybe, Guardians maybe- worked out. Maybe that's what they're keeping all the Snyderverse actors for. Yeah. They're actually going to be the authority, and it's going to be James Gunn's meta way of being like, they're all going to be dead by the yeah. end of the film. We're bringing everybody in. They're going to play evil versions of themselves because everyone was so fucking dark in those Snyder films. <laughs> we're literally in, bad. We're literally and figuratively ending the Snyderverse now. <laughs> uh, well, you joked about Cavill coming back and, and playing Jorah. One other belief, obviously, I guess it's, it's an effect of No Way Home, is that one day they will get to a crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm. And that, and Elseworlds that will come into this uh, timeline will be the Snyderverse characters. And you'll have a Kingdom Come type situation where you'll have this old Superman and you'll have Gal Gadot come back as this old uh, Wonder Woman and whether or not Ben Affleck is still, uh, his Batman is still around or something. But you can Mm. still bring them in like a Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. But um, otherwise, having those same actors play slightly different versions of their own characters wearing different costumes would be... Very funny. Yeah, and then just bring in Ryan Reynolds, pop in and go, oh my God, everything's so dark. Are you yeah. in the Snyderverse? <laughs> Goes a little bit Deadpool just for the hell of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, does, it, oh, just think, does, does the DC have anybody metal like that? Any, any fourth wall breakers? Make it happen. Bring in, um, if they want to get really goofy, they can bring in, um, what is it, Bat... Fink, you know, there's oh, that, yeah, little, yeah, that yeah. little tiny little. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's meta and he knows what's. We can make him out. Surely, with a character like that, you could just make him like that. He could just pop in. Jack Black could do that. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing a television series called Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost is a story of Paradise Island, usually known as Themyscira, which is the birthplace of Wonder Woman. It's almost like Game of Thrones with Westeros, but with all of the inhabitants of Paradise Island. So this is, I guess, another example of the of the uh, mixed. Not timelines, but 
You get Superman who's like, hey, he's a couple of years in. He maybe a 25-year-old actor will play him. You get Batman who's older, you assume, because he's going to have a teenage son. We're going to do a Themyscira set show pre-Wonder Woman even being a thing. It's like, what's going on here? Like, yeah, this is the this is the first one that gave me some pause. Like, I like the from the outside, I like the idea of it. Like, th- seeing an Amazon set show as like almost a period piece. Hell yeah! As as a film, yes. As a show, I'm like, where's it gonna go? Yeah, like, well, that's what's, true. Like, I I think I just throw back to things like um, Gotham, mm. and it's like, hey, we're gonna give you. Everything you know about Batman, we're just not going to put Batman in it. Mm. Um, or that did it even end up getting made or whatever that fucking stupid idea of um, Alfred the TV show? Oh yeah, they ever... just they just cancelled that after three seasons. They got three seasons, and they actually renamed it after after season two. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, to what? Now I've I've got to get this right because I've never watched it. Me neither. Now, why, why would I? Well, of all the fucking things <laughs> to happen in the Batman world, why would I want to show based around fucking Alfred? Now, don't look at this. Let me read okay, it to you. So right. stare away. Now, it was it was called Pennyworth when it was first. That's read, right. right. It was called Pennyworth. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's his name, Alfred uh-huh. Pennyworth. Yep, and you know, sure. he, I like the. If takes, you know, you know. Sure. Um, you know, we get your your Michael Goff um, and and uh, takes on on Alfred. Great. Yep. Michael Caine comes along. Oh, He's rough. Oh, stop it. Hey, he's got a little bit more of a, a rougher, mysterious background. And then there was that um, animated show, uh, Beware the Bat. And his Alfred was mm. like, it was like Jason Statham at 55. That's right. And Where I'm like, Katana was his sidekick. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I remember that. I, I remember enjoying that. I, when they were casting um, uh, Jeremy Irons come along, and I'm like, well, he's not Michael Goff. No. I hope he's going to be more of a, like, I've had some military shit in my background going on. And then even Andy Serkis comes along. Now, he, he, he was very waitery in that show, but you also get the idea that he had some dark shit going on in his background as well. So Pennyworth, he's you know, and uh, some type of guy that worked in the military and has been hired on by Thomas Wayne. Uh, whether or not that happens at the start, during the run, eventually, I don't know because I haven't seen it. But anyway. Pennyworth, and I'll just double-check the title, what they ended up calling it. Uh, it says, Pennyworth, later marketed as Pennyworth, the origin of Batman's butler. Now, Mitchell. <laughs> what? Mitchell. What? I am not look. I'm actually not looking at you at the moment because I'm, you I'm were, scared. If you were I'm any scared. other, if you were any other man, I would walk out of this room right now, and you would never see me again. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Do you know what I'm calling that show from now on? <laughs> Penny worthless. Penny worthless. <laughs> Pennyworth's great. I don't know. After two seasons, they go. People just aren't getting the message that like, it's about. Like, um, didn't didn't wasn't the same with Krypton. That Krypton show lasted mm. like a one season. One two season. Seasons. I I heard never seen. It. I heard all right things about that. Krypton. At least, well, no, Krypton's just as I guess recognizable as saying Pennyworth in in a sense, like yeah, within yeah, its yeah. own context. It wasn't like they got after two or three seasons ago. It's going to now be called Krypton before the planet blew up and Superman went to Earth. Mm. You know, because that really explains to people when and where it is. Pennyworth, the origin of Batman's butler. Like, that's what you say to someone that it's about. Yeah. What's it, what is it? Pennyworth, what's it about? The origin of Batman's butler. Oh, okay. Don't call it that, yeah. guys. That sounds, but- like, that sounds like a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> Um, anyway. So yeah, so that's that's the um, that's the concern I have for what's this Wonder Woman thing called? Uh, Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost. Yeah. So it's like 
I, I don't know. Like, as a standalone film, that would be really, really cool mm. because we don't see a lot of Themyscira. I love ancient Greek and Roman mythology and all that kind of stuff. could be great. But I'm just like, as a show, like, as a, as a plot, what are we leading to? Mm. Like, I don't want Diana to suddenly be this, you know, prophecy, you know, she who was foretold, you know, and it's mm. all about working towards her. Like, well, apart from working toward her, there is already the hope out there from the comic sweaties saying, mm. oh, hopefully now they can do the proper origin of Wonder Woman and the proper history of Hippolyta. Hep- Hippolyta? Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Well, I think you can go either way, depending yeah. on where you're from. Um, yeah, well, I guess because she has a couple of different origins, mm. as far as I'm aware. Like, there's obviously the origin where that she was made from clay and brought to life yeah. by Zeus and all that kind of stuff. And then it turns out, well, no, Ares was all, you know, mm. all that kind of stuff. So I'm just like, yeah, but that that's that's an epilogue. That's a prologue. Mm to a film yeah and it has been there's been mm. an animated Wonder Woman film I think oh god Ahsoka what's the um, the live action Ahsoka actress Rosario oh, Dawson how can I get, I'm, I'm getting old see if you were any other um, man Matthew, <laughs> I would walk up <laughs> uh, I'm fairly certain Rosario Dawson voiced Wonder Woman in that film that I'm referencing right um, but yeah and it kind of that was the prologue mm. is her you know being moulded and all that kind of stuff so it's like how how we're we're going how far before yeah, I like don't know. I, yeah I, like it's I don't not know. ten years before her birth or something like it feels like it's yeah. older than that yeah. and it'd be different I guess if he came out and said this is going to be a one it's a it's a limited run series it's yeah. a one epi- it's a um a six episode one yes. season arc yeah and maybe they would if they were going to release the whole slate because as he has said we are only revealing part of chapter one. And he went on to say in the press conference, we didn't reveal the rest because if we told you what was coming up, it would be a spoiler about what you're yet to yeah, see that we cool, are giving cool. to you. So maybe... I, I can see the inspiration because obviously House of Dragon is wildly popular. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, the same sort of thing. It's yeah. set however many generations before Game of Thrones. Mm. Game of Thrones is obviously wildly popular except for the last, you know, the ending. We won't get into that. <laughs> but yeah, so I can, I can see the... I can see on paper where they're going... But I don't know if Game of Thrones and House of Dragon translates to Themyscira mm. necessarily. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I think it's you know it's great if it's going to be yeah like I, I don't want to be signal well what a virtue signaling or mm. anything like that. But it's like cool an all female cast of kick ass mm. women on Themyscira. Cool. It sounds yeah. awesome. Like, like a, an island full of Xenas doing Xena things. Shit, yeah. Sign me Sign up. Me That's going to be awesome. <laughs> like, that was one of my favourite parts of uh, the Wonder Woman films was, like, that whole, uh, the competition. Like, you know, the, the race and the yeah, running yeah, yeah. through and them all doing kick-ass stuff. Mm. That was one of my favourite parts of, of sort of that, of, of those, those couple of films. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that kind of cool stuff and mm. maybe we'll get. Aries popping in and and other gods and stuff like that popping in that could be fun and it's got to you know somewhat be the the death knell for 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 Gal who I love mm. but again we haven't revealed the rest of the slate but it's like the one thing we are saying about Wonder Woman is it's got nothing to do with Wonder Woman it's actually a prequel so you know Wonder Woman could be any age and. Gal Gadot looks mm. just as young now as what she did when she was first cast or something but again if you're pushing her back another five eight years she is aging. She's yeah. human, so and if you want longevity out of that character who is supposed to otherwise be immortal, you're just going to have to cast new now, and yeah. and so you've got someone for the next ten to fifteen years. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'm like I'm the same. I'm excited about it, but I'm like, oh, I just 
yeah, lining them up as prequel Wonder Woman and a current Superman and a future Batman, but they all t- exist together in the same. No, no. Well, Wonder Woman's actually a prequel. Mm. Why are we telling a prequel story when everything else is running concurrent? Is it? We don't. We don't know. Yeah. So. And I guess yeah, we don't know what tone it's going to be. Is it going to be thriller? Is it going to be historical? Is it going to be a comedy? Is mm. it? Gonna- <laughs> With James Gunn, you don't fucking know. Exactly. It could be anything, you know. could be a fucking horror show. Yeah. Like, you never know. <laughs> so, yeah, until there's more information, it's just like, okay, yep. all right. The introduction of the DCU's Batman is the brave and the bold. The brave and the bold is the story of Batman and his actual son, Damian Wayne. This is based on Grant Morrison's great comic book run. Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. He's a little assassin who Batman tries to get in line. And so this is the story of the two of them and the beginning of sort of the Bat family in the DCU. Like, that side of things is exciting. Like, the idea that, does that indicate we're not having him as the first and only Robin? Like, there is going to be a Batgirl out there. There is going to be yeah. uh, a Nightwing. And, and, hey, the idea of having Red Hood, like, I, I love Under the Red Hood as well. That is a fantastic film. Imagine yeah, absolutely seeing the, the best. For me, the best animated mm. uh, DC film And it was the first one made. I watched too, so everything else me has too. been... Me too, that's what got me into yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's okay. what got me into it, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I, I have some completely unfounded concerns about that, mm. based purely on the name yeah. because that happens to be my least favourite of the animated shows yeah, right, yeah. is the Diedrich Bader um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very bowl. different title it's very uh, different tone, yeah. yeah it's very different it's, it's it's more of that Adam West style which I love all the Adam West old school yeah. stuff but but that's not what we're going the for the animated here. one I was like oh no I can cop a lot of things but yep. this ain't it not and maybe me. that was the thing too maybe that run of Brave and the Bold but then they go to make that cartoon they're like we're going to call it Brave and the Bold and the executives are like no god no 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 <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it that serious. Like, no, 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 we're going to have some fun with it. Now it's like we're looking at that going, oh, is it going to be like that cartoon? It's like, no, yeah. no, no, it's going to be more like, you know, the book. So, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, we spoke about the comic book art that they've been using and, and they did, you know, use a particular image, which I think I've since read that that image is actually Dick Grayson wearing the Batman outfit. Um, That's something that was Wayne. in one of the um, animated films mm. is because, yeah, it is like you were saying before, it, it's, it's Damien Wayne with like an older, aging out Batman and I think at some point he does go missing I don't think he full on dies or whatever he gets, he gets injured or goes missing or something like that and they have to actually call up Dick get him to come over from Bloodhaven mm. and put on the costume mm. and like it doesn't quite fit to begin with and blah and then yeah then there's obviously talk of you know what in it, I think, when Batman dies, it's like, well, who takes over the moniker of mm. Batman? It's like, well, Dick Grayson is obviously the person that is most qualified to do that. But mm. then it's like, well, Dick spent so long rebelling against Bruce to become his own man, and that's how Nightwing exists as a character. Mm. It's like, well, sh- he doesn't really deserve to just give up everything that he's done um, to then take over the moniker of his, you know, pseudo-father figure. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I... I I don't know. Yeah, it is, it like, is a bit of a yeah. To who knows? My, yeah. my only my only thing and my ongoing thing is why I wasn't a fan of the Snyderverse Batman and why I wasn't a fan of the Nolanverse Batman is I just don't like my Batman to be that angry. Even mm. even um, Pattinson, like that was a step in a better direction. Still not my favorite. Like it, it didn't, oh, see, it I didn't found blow him to be, my mind. I found him to be angrier than like not than Ben Affleck was like. He was um, like he was he, he obviously I Batman's think, a psycho and he's mentally scarred from it as a child. This is a guy that as an adult has been hurt differently and has just lost all care for the world. Whereas I, I would say that Pattinson's Batman was angry. Than I mean, Bale's. I've, I've I've only seen the Batman once, so maybe mm. I'm not remembering it all. But I just I in my mind, I see Pattinson being very 
internal and like yelling at himself and abusing himself while being very, yeah quote unquote being emo on the outside yeah. you know being very internal with it whereas Bale was very much just straight up yelling at people mm. which my Batman in my in my mind my Kevin Conroy Batman doesn't yell at people mm-hmm. he's the Dark Knight yeah and the reason he's called the Dark Knight is because at the end of the day he's an honourable man and he with he has he has a code mm. that he sticks mm. by. To me, Nolan um, Nolan and Bale never had that. Yeah. He was he was just an angry bully who was dealing with the loss of his parents. Mm. He's I didn't like him at all. Mm. Um, so that's the only thing that I want moving forward is I want that more. I want the noble knight. I want that guy who is processing his trauma. Tra- trauma. I don't know why I said that. But he's trauma. <laughs> trauma. By being like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice the rest of my life to make sure no one ever has to experience what I had to experience, mm. and and be a protector. Yeah. Um. To me, Bale, yeah, he wasn't a protector. He was mm. just this pretentious little rich kid. Mm. Like, and and the way they do that is like, and I know this has been a criticism of Batman recently it's too. It's like in 2022, if if Bruce Wayne existed, he could do so much more for Gotham City by just spending money mm. um, on which, infrastructure than putting on a suit yeah, and beating up which people. Which is what I liked that they um, did touch on in the Batman where it said that, you know, Thomas Wayne, he, like, he had the, whatever the foundation was called and he'd put like a billion dollars or more into some foundation to help crime and infrastructure. And uh, it was more actually to do with crime and and mental health and things like that. Obviously, as a business, he was was into um, uh, uh, the infrastructure of the city. And we saw that just didn't work. Like the the reveal at the end of that movie was that now he'd been killed and there's been people fighting over that money ever since and the foundation doesn't exist and the orphanage doesn't exist and doesn't get money because of you know it's been locked up and and basically whoever controls the city has been siphoning off this mm. billion dollar fund that was meant to help things and it's like okay well money can help but it's, I've got to do it the right way but I can also make a difference physically so I like that they did touch on it because it, it is a fair – it's like, no, this guy, okay, he's a psycho. He's been hurt. He's a sociopath, but he's a functioning one. He is out doing it for the right reasons. Mm. But he's also a rich guy with toys and armor who beats up mentally ill people. So there is that to be um, said as well. And I've, I've heard again in the, in the um, breakdowns of all this stuff over the last week that there is a, a great um, arc in, in a, a comic somewhere where Dick Grayson takes over as Batman and, and obviously has access to, to... Oh, no, it wasn't Batman's money. It must have been more recently where they've killed off Alfred and Alfred basically gave his money to Dick. Whatever he oh. had of the Wayne estate that, that Bruce was leaving him. This guy's never been signed when a butler's richer than you. Yeah. <laughs> and he must have been a substantial amount of money, which I guess mm. if he's Batman's pseudo father, Bruce Wayne's uber rich, he would possibly have several billion dollars in yeah. his name. He gave it to Dick. Dick then used it to try and do these things that he wished that Bruce Wayne would have done along yeah. the way, only for it too to just be, either be corrupted and not used the right way mm. or, or whatever it may be. So. You know, again, that's part of that realism that some people don't like. It's like, no, 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 just there's bad guys. He's a good guy. He's got a costume. Just let them fight. We don't want to think about too much. But if we keep doing that story, people will get sick of that. So we do at some stage have to bring in the realism. It's like, well, what if he was real? Would he try to just pay for everything to be fixed? No, he has done that in a movie, in a comic, and it hasn't worked. And I've said this before on our podcast. It's like, that's the problem I have with the Nolan films um, and even the Batman to a degree. It's like when you start getting ultra realistic, Mm. 
He's a man in a cape. He's, mm. a, he's a grown man dressed like a bat. Mm. How realistic do we want to go mm. here? Mm. Like, give me that suspension of disbelief just a little bit. Yeah. He's a man in a cape. Yeah. That's where I'm interested like, where the second Matt Reeves Batman will go. Even as something as simple as, not simple, but I'm not talking about like supernatural bad guys, but like the costume. Because, mm. you know, he, again, I was sitting next to you really worried about how, what you were going to think of it because I'd seen the Batman already and I really That's liked right. it. But then when he jumped off the building and had his... Not even a wingsuit. It just basically turned into, um, you know, one of those... Um, squirrel suits. Yeah, squirrel suits. Mm. And that was what he used. And it's like, oh, God, that looks so weird. But yeah. it's like, well, why would he immediately go, hey, I'm going to turn this cape into a giant hang glider? It's like, no, no, I'll use a real suit that yeah. does this thing, but it's then it, we see that it doesn't actually work yeah. and doesn't give them the agility. What's he going to do? Oh, I'm going to incorporate it into the costume that I already have. So I like that. And I like in Batman Begins watching him go through, go, oh, I'm going to use this. Oh, how am I going to? Use, I'm going to use it this way, or I yeah, want no. this. How am I going to See, make I, that work? I want the Michael Keaton where it's a leather cape. You snap cut to mm. a different angle, and suddenly it's a full, <laughs> just like there's like armatures in there, yeah. and there's structure, and then, I mean that thing would never actually even glide either. Yeah, but it looked so. Oh, cool. it does. It does look cool, and there is there that's is. That's what I want. Yeah, I, that's why to me the the Burton Batman films. But then. Um, they're my jam. Yeah, that's we, my jam. I like I the realism. That, I want the heightened reality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. but I like the, even the realism of Pattinson's Batman, where you—he's a madman, right? He's an angry guy. Where you see him at the start of the film, or at least the very least, you know when he takes his mask off later in the mm. film, that he's done eye makeup. He's put the eyeshadow yeah. on because Which there's that awful, Batman Returns, awful shot in Batman Returns where he's talking to um, Christopher Walken and Selina Kyle and Max Schrack there. I was trying to think of the name. Mm. And um, it's Batman and he's got black except for the pupils, basically. Not his pupils, but yeah, his eyes. Yeah. And then it cuts to Michelle Pfeiffer, comes back, and then you can see the white around Michael Keaton's eyes because we need him to rip this mask off in yeah. one single unedited shot and not have black Which around his eyes. Which also comes off super easily, and it's like, well, if it rips off that easily, how has it never come off during a fight? Yeah, exactly. That's, so yeah. I like the idea that we see him doing that. Like, again, I like the idea of how we we just... You know, that's just there, you no, know? I, I love movie magic like that. Yeah. Love, the, the fact that his Batmobile had, like, that little turnstile that came out of the bottom. So yeah. So he could just, like, <laughs> and turn it all the way around. But I, and I, as I think in that sort of regard, like, because the one thing that I don't like about... Because Bat Batman Returns is my favourite Batman film of all time. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I don't like about it is... Um, like he does kill a couple of people in it and mm. he smiles when he does it. Mm. Like when he's fighting the the Red Triangle gang, like mm. and there's the guy with the bomb, he just kind of accidentally pushes him down the um the sewer with the bomb yeah. attached to him, blows up and has a bit of a grin. And then he like sets another guy on fire with like the rocket from the back of the Batmobile. So there's a couple of things there with the red the red triangle gang where I'm just like, Oh, I wish that wasn't there, but because it's that heightened reality I don't care. I yeah. know I'm watching a movie, yeah. but when I watch like the Nolan ones with the hyper realism, I'm just like, and you can kind of go, oh, he kind of gave them enough time to take it off. He just wanted them to run away. It was yeah. their own fault, right? Yeah. If I'm going to start spinning my hands like this, <laughs> and if you walk into it, it's your own fault. Yeah. Um. So yeah, when it's the hyper realistic stuff, I'm like, I go to the movies for escapism. Mm. I want to escape my boring life. Mm. I want to watch fantastical things. And when it's too ultra realistic, I'm just like. Blech. But see, maybe you're a, you're a functioning fan to the point where you just accept it for what it is as a piece of fiction, and maybe mm. I'm psychotic enough and, and obsessed in my own head that I'm like, I want to see how I could really do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the money. I definitely don't have mm. the physique. I don't have the the mental sort of commitment, but. I want to know that, like, I want to look at Elon Musk or I want to look at any other billionaire out there and go, 
why the fuck haven't you done this? Yeah. Why the fuck haven't whereas, you done whereas this? Whereas me, <laughs> I want that, um, what are those kids' toys, you know, where you, you jump in the car and you put the money in and they just, Oh, yeah. I want the one that Danny DeVito is yes. in inside the trailer. That's the kind of fan I am. Like, if I'm watching them, I'm like, where can I get one of those? Yeah, I'm going like, to get a movie world and just hope that they've got something broken that I can take home, yeah, right? Yeah. Can, I, can I have one of those? Because, yeah, yeah I, that's who I am. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, and we might get a nice mixture of... Uh, of Batman mm. uh, and, and Batman reality in The Brave and the Bold because it is going to be lighter. Hopefully not too light. I still want a darker mm. Batman because Batman is dark uh, and a lighter Superman being able to mix together. You know, like in, yeah, in yeah. Snyderverse. They're, they're opposite sides of the same coin, yeah. like the way that they can bounce off each other. Yeah. It's that great dichotomy between per- them yeah, too. It's perfect. Cause, so, and I heard a great analogy the other day saying Batman's a cautionary tale, Superman is who we should strive to become, right? Like, Oh, that's true. Now, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think I saw the same view. It's a great view. Oh, yeah, Koi. If, you watch Koi Jondra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I was going to say, in my head, it's pronounced Jay Corduroy. That's his name. In my head, <laughs> yeah. his name is Jay Corduroy. Yeah. Um, I did watch that video. I think you might have liked it on Twitter or something like that, and that's how it showed up on my feed, and I watched right. it. And You're I, welcome. Aside from his praise of the Snyderverse, I liked everything that man said in that well, video. Well, he, he he praised the Snyders. I think that he went on to, well, yeah, to, to say many things against the – it was certainly against the iterations, yeah. and he said he loves – Henry Cavill loves Super- Henry Cavill's Superman. He just didn't necessarily like that he had to kill to figure out that he didn't need to mm. kill. Which I know I've defended along the way. I love Man of Steel, and I don't. It doesn't bother me that he killed Zod at the end of that because of that reaction. And I don't, I believe that he wouldn't do that now. I think come the next film, they're like, yeah, let's just keep him a little bit dark for a little bit though, right? Mm. And then we'll kill him and not sort of earn the death and maybe not earn the return in the next film. We're going to do all these stories that would have been a great mapped out franchise and just sort of compress them all into one film. But um, And, you know, Affleck, I love so much. Like I love the Affleck suit because it reminds oh, me a lot. It reminds me a lot of the Arkham suit, the Arkham video oh, game so suit. Oh, well, I've never With, played any of the yeah. video games. The, the only Batman game, I, and this is again shows the kind of Batman <laughs> fan you are versus the kind of Batman fan yeah. I am. The only Batman game I've ever played is the Lego Batman games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, well, and that was the thing. Same, like, same as like, um, I if I had a choice between between playing like Grand Theft Auto and Mario Kart, mm. I'm choosing Mario Kart every single time. Mm, the, the, fair. The, the 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 further away from reality I <laughs> yeah, can get yeah. in my in my forms of entertainment, yeah. the better. That's yeah, why fair enough. that's why I'm such a Star Trek nerd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the further I can get away from reality, yeah. the better. Mm. So um yeah. Whereas with the Nolan and Bale um iteration, I loved the uh I love Batman Begins. I love the suit in Begins because it was that Michael Keaton rubber suit. Yeah. Um, the blanket bothered me though. The blanket, the blanket cape. cape. Yeah. Uh, yeah, See, like Keaton a, had it was all the same It was material. all leather. Yeah, which yeah, I, I didn't it actually bothered me more in the Dark Knight, but I did mm. not like the Dark Knight suit because it was oh, I like that. it was like he, he the, yeah, yeah. it's like he used the Batman and that was where the ultra realism came in too. Mm. It was like, "Hey, how does Batman turn his head?" And I'm like, Oh, can't we just like I think Ben Affleck's Batman he looks like he can't turn his head but I think mm. he's figured out a way to make that rubber bend a little maybe it's a little bit weaker under the jawline or something that he no he, he just he just lifts more weights until he's got the neck strength to turn it himself well, there's that Whereas too Keaton didn't have that yeah but I, li- I like <laughs> yeah he the... looked like he was the Terminator who very much couldn't turn like Keaton mm. was stuck his eyes could barely move whereas Bale I, li- and... I liked the way that made him move that gave yeah. him a physicality yes. that 
was very imposing yes. because he didn't seem but human. he had to stand still very okay like Kevin mm. Conroy's Batman but Kevin Conroy's Batman was inspired by the Keaton one as Correct. well but um, the Bale Batman there is a great shot um, I think where Katie Holmes Rachel Dawes realises who he is yells out after him he's on top of a roof and says hey um, I never you know I got to ask you you know who are you or something and he says hey and he turns around but he's already like squatting on, on the edge of the building perched, perched. and um, and he turns around but he has to turn his whole body and even mm. though he's turning to a friend to an ally it's still really intimidating oh, and right. then he jumps off the building and he glides down through yeah. um, I love um, there's a moment I think it might be Batman Returns when he's in damn it I thought you were about to say it was one of the Nolan films. Like, oh, no, there's one there's, bit I love. There's no, there's no. Oh there's, bullshit! There's no moment. I will that find I there will be a moment that films. you will love. You're full of shit. Yeah, the end credits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be when he's in like the hydrofoil bat boat thing, like in the sewers, and something happens. I think it's like when the he blows up or, or dodges the first penguins, mm. penguins with rocket boosters on him and stuff like. Yeah, like, talk about an escape from reality. Yes, yeah. go ahead. Yes, but there's a moment where he tr- he tries to <laughs> he has to look out the side window, and he fully just has to turn like the entire top half of his yeah. body. And I think Kilmer had to do the same thing when he was in the Bat Wing in, yes. in Batman Forever. That awkward he, gif that goes around. Yeah, you yeah. see, he literally has to lift his entire body off the seat <laughs> and turn it, and then give a thumbs up. Yeah, that's the Batman I like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas we'd come Dark Knight, where he it was like the headpiece was completely separate to the neck, mm. and it was like that version of Batman, probably like I guess the costume designers or Nolan himself or whatever. But like Bruce Wayne in that universe went, I want to use my bat suit. As an inspiration, but otherwise I'm just using a mech suit from the army. And I'm like, Mm. yeah, but now you're not quite Batman. And also the cape, there's a great... I love the scene between Batman and the Joker and then the interrogation room and the police station. But his cape sits behind him oh, and yes. doesn't We've cover, had long yes, doesn't cover his shoulders. And the shoulders already have big shoulder pieces separate, yeah. like plates. And I'm like... I just and I've said I wanted to reach out. Maybe it's only one side. One sort of sits yeah. across his shoulder. The other one sits like behind his neck. Neither of them cover his the front of his shoulders and drape down. And I just want to reach into the screen every time I watch it. Like I love the Dark Knight, but there is honestly like simple, wow. petty costume things that get ne- me from like truly perfecting the film. Like I'm just like just pull the cape forward you're so intimidating like there are shots of him in, in Batman Begins where he's hunched over and the cape is barely showing the bat symbol and I love that that figure yeah. of Batman the way that that cuts because it looks scary why is there a grown man here wearing a giant robe with bat ears what the fuck next time I want to make your skin crawl I have a video on my <laughs> phone of a scene from uh theme park down the Gold, down from us uh, movie world on the Gold Coast mm. where they just had the heroes and villains thing mm. and there's a there's a um, live show of Batman Robin and Joker fighting in the street and the Batman they have there at the moment is very much an affluent looking Batman with the grey and the black and stuff like that and and it's a very light cape yep. so in the middle of the fight the cape flips up and you see legitimate could almost be football shoulder pads no. on his side. And then the cape slips underneath yeah. the shoulder pad. Yeah. So just one shoulder pad is out during this entire fight. <laughs> and as you were saying that, that's yeah. all I could think of. And it's going to make your skin crawl and I can't wait to send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to send it to you while we're with each other. So yeah, that no, I can, do that. I can see your physical reaction. You can have it. make me react like you did with Pennyworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is a TV series called Booster Gold. Booster Gold is one of comics really popular. 
popular cult heroes. He is a fascinating guy. He's a loser from the future who uses future technology to come back to present day and become a superhero so that people will love him. It is basically the superhero story of imposter syndrome on an HBO Max series. This is one of the ones that I'm more excited for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know very little about Booster God. I've had a few interactions with him in some of the animated stuff. I have an action figure of him at home as part of my Minimates collection because I love the design of mm. the character. It looks really, really cool. Yeah, and the idea that he's kind of just like a hustler from the future. Yeah. Like, I think, because oh, as, as I said before, I'm a massive Star Trek fan and it's like, yeah... If I could do anything, it's like I would love to have just like a Star Trek shuttle in my garage mm-hmm. with all the phasers and tricorders and all that cool tech, and I would be the most badass man on this entire planet. <laughs> I could just do whatever I wanted. So I think I I connect with him like that, and it's just like, yeah, if I if I had to be, go back in time with all this cool future tech, and it's like he's going back to like the 1800s where he can't shower. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's some gross things that we, that we do in, in this time that he's going to be like, that's fucked. <laughs> um, but the other thing, and going back to what we were saying before about Donald Faison and Blue Beetle and all the... Or the um, Legends. Mm. Is that who he was in Legends? Is he like Ted Core no, or something? So, or? Yeah, so Jaime Reyes mm. is the second Blue Beetle. Yeah. The first Blue Beetle was Ted Cord. Mm. Uh, and Ted Cord often would team up yeah. with Booster Gold. Yes, yeah. So, And people thought that for the last couple of years, there's always been calls, give us a Booster Gold and Blue Beetle movie. They yeah. wanted that weird team up. Well, yeah. so as you know, uh, you made fun of me for it the other day in one of our group chats. Never. I listened to the Scrubs podcast. I didn't make fun of you for that. <laughs> no, I made fun of the fact that someone asked, I didn't even know there was a Scrubs podcast. And I was like, oh, God, oh God let Maddie go. catch you up. He, he, welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> um, so obviously that is Donald Faison, uh, who was Turk in Scrubs, and he does the podcast. Podcast with Zach Braff, who mm-hmm. played um, JD. JD. Got there first, bang. <laughs> so, um, j- uh, very, very jealous. Part of the podcast is like Donald Faison is one of the biggest Star Wars fans in the entire world. Super, super jealous that because um, uh, Zach Braff is friends with Margaret Cho, who yeah. directed um, Obi Wan. Obi Wan. Zach Braff was the voice of that alien in, That's right. in Thing, and yeah. he got to do mo- motion capture. He's also just directed a TV show uh, with Harrison Ford, that new... Um, shrinking. Shrinking, yep. because that's created by the guy who created Scrubs, created that show. That's right. Bill Lawrence. I was, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, so Donald Faison, very, very upset about all these things that he's not really <laughs> allowed to be a part of. Um, but then he got that deal of... he. I don't know how many episodes he ended up doing of... Um, legends mm. being Blue Beetle and he was explaining all this to Zach Braff Zach Braff is the most non-nerdy guy ever when it comes to superhero movies Star Wars yeah, anything right. like that he's like a um, he's like a, a musical and kind of nerd like yeah. he, he loves we even look at the movies that, that he wrote stuff. and directed like they're you know yeah. little indie darlings indie, and stuff yeah, yeah that yeah. kind of thing so they actually had a deal where because when Donald Faison announced it all he said you know okay so I'm going to be because it might be the last couple of episodes of the season or something like that yeah and they didn't know if they'd come back at the time. And he's like, if if they do come back, I'm probably going to get a potentially semi-regular role mm. on it, blah, blah, blah. Zach Braff, someone who's never seen, doesn't enjoy superhero movies, nothing like that. He said, you know what? I'll make a deal with you. If the show comes back and you come back as Blue Beetle, I will be your booster gold. And Zach, uh, John Faison was like, yes, let's do it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, as much as I didn't like Legends, that would have been fun, at least for an episode. Yeah, too, yeah, just... yeah. Just to have those two back. Oh, damn it. Yeah. And Zach Braff, he was with Florence Pugh, right? Correct. Yeah. 
yeah, so like, recently. Hey, and they, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they're about to have another movie come out. Oh, together good, they did. Good people. Uh-huh. So, um, good people. Florence Great Pugh, people. Morgan Freeman, and Molly Shannon. Sweet. So they did it all while they were still together. Yeah. Um, and then they've recently broke. It's very, as far as I can tell, it's very amicable. Um, they just schedules don't line drifting up. Apart, kind of drifting apart. He's like, like, I don't that. like superhero stuff. She's like, I've just signed a Marvel contract. I'm the new superhero. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the good person. It's called the good okay. person. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm very keen to see that as well. That looks quite good. Yeah, we'll be looks, fun. And it'll be a crier, but it'll be good. And it is a uh, series as well, so we're going to get um, mm. you know time to to get to know him. And it'll be funny to see if if he's I don't know. Wonder whether it will almost not be a cameo show, but mm. just because of who he is and wanting to interact with our current world and stuff, whether we'll get to explore more of the DCU in the current day through someone from the future's eyes rather than in yeah. another film or TV show which might be a little bit more of an insular sort of story. Yeah. So I wonder if it could even be like a, an anthology type series where mm. it's like there's not necessarily any continuity between yeah. episodes. It's, he could even be jumping around. Imagine yeah. if it was like a... a Trying qu- to find a place. Or a quantum leap style yeah, thing yeah. where he's just like jumping around and then as someone from the future just seeing weird shit from the 80s happening yeah. or goes back to the 50s and experiences sees what racism is going and he's like what the fuck are you people doing <laughs> like yeah. shit like that I think would be really really fun and a bit of a like meta social social commentary and stuff like that could be fun one of my favorite comic book series from last year was Tom King's run on Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow and so we're going to turn that into a big science fiction epic film now Superman is a guy who was sent to earth in raised by loving parents. We're a Supergirl in this story. She is a character who was raised on a chunk of Krypton. She watched everybody around her perish in some terrible way. So she's a much more jaded character. Yeah, this is interesting. As far as the whole mm. comic book influences and stuff that they were revealing or referencing, this is like, hey, this was a great run. An eight, eight, uh, com- eight issue arc from last year called Superman Woman of Tomorrow, we're now making a film called Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow and adapting that story. None of the others seem to be a direct adaptation. They're just heavily influenced by whereas mm. this, it, it, it's not going to be a shot-for-shot remake or, or anything, but seemingly is as close as we're going to get. I mean, again, it's eight episodes. You know, yeah. um, All-Star Superman, a bit longer, Brave and the Bold, and you get long histories of those characters, whereas this is like, no, this is going to separate her from just being the other super person. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. and, and uh, It sounds like he's leaning into almost a little bit of dealing, like her dealing with the, the trial. Yeah. <laughs> just like in perhaps some, some post-traumatic stress going on, stuff like that, which would make a really interesting mm. sort of concept. Like, I know everyone seem to universally hate that one shot of the Supergirl actress that's going to be in uh, the Flash film. Oh, um, no. Just based I, I, on a single film. Everyone was just like, it looks trash. I don't know. I kind of like it. Um, no. So, um, but yeah, Super, Supergirls, I think, yeah, like my only really experience with her is uh, Smallville when mm. she was in it. It was kind of a season. Yeah. It was very sort of bubblegummy and, you know, they didn't really get delve into that yeah, kind see, of that, stuff. I only so. watched it up until the end of season six and I think she was season seven where she yeah. came in. So I've never seen that iteration. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, but and yeah, then, I think it's... Not to mention the, the two letters that you don't like, but CW um, version of um, Supergirl mm. where, it, you know, love or hate the show, she mm. was very much just the female version of her male cousin mm. where she was hope, bubbly, future, optimism and all that sort of stuff. Whereas yeah. this might be like, hey, same power set but had a different upbringing. 
not quite Red Sun territory, but she's mm. going to be, like he said, a little bit more jaded. She's not the Batman version of the antithesis of, of Superman, you no. know, mental state, but she's going to just see things from a slightly different perspective and maybe, yeah. you know, needs to, you know, work through trauma. Um, mm. That's going to be a thing on this show. I'm Absolutely. so sorry. And, um, you know, not that, it's not, that it's not that Superman as the ultimate white male, yeah. white cis male is going to come longer. I'm going to fix you. Yeah. But... You know, I think yeah, and like I don't want to sound like a neckbeard or anything like that because I I don't have a problem with it. The the problems that I had with Supergirl on the CW is it was just a little bit. It was just dumb writing. Like, oh, it was they just, did. It was yeah. spoon feeding stuff, and it's like I actually don't need an entire scene about Supergirl deciding not to wear a skirt. Just don't put her in a skirt. And it's fine because women wear pants. Yeah, especially with the first season or first couple of episodes where they made a real point. Calista Flockhart's character saying, Supergirl, like, why can't you be Superwoman? And she's like... I'm a woman. If I, I'm also a girl. Yeah. Like, whatever, you know, whatever, however she summed it up wasn't that bad. But it was like, I can call myself whatever I want. Girl doesn't mean inferior woman. Like, I can, I'm, I'm still. And girl life. doesn't mean inferior to man. Exactly. Either. So like, she's, she, they made a point of saying, I don't have to be this thing because people judge us. But then it went on. It was like, yeah, that's a bit sexualizing. Let's just put her in pants. But make a real point about why skirts shouldn't be a blah. And, yeah. and then it, like, I, and. And look, I I still haven't finished the show. Later on in this particular podcast, we're covering episode one of the final season. I'm up to that stage oh. in my uh, in my rewatches. Um, but when we used to do DC TV, as it was known, uh, Terry far more than never Ben never did it but Terry and other female fans that I've met of the show started to refer to the show as Social Justice Girl. Yeah, and social, you know, social warrior girl, and all that sort of stuff. But if she wasn't Supergirl anymore. She was out there, and it was the mess. It, everything was right on the nose. It yeah. was just like yeah. this is what we're doing, and you know, I hate the term because I, I think people misuse it so much. Virtue signaling. Not that you did earlier. You used it perfectly, Matthew. But um, it just felt like they were really going out of their way to make a point yeah. in every episode. And I'm like, the point's fine. What the point that you're trying to make? Nothing's wrong with it. I'm not saying don't make the point, but don't treat the audience like an idiot. Correct. The audience that is here is here because of what you're doing. Don't dumb it down for them because you think that they're watching this for the first yeah. time. I'll give you a small example, and you'll hate it because it's a Star Trek reference, but here we are. Mate, um, this isn't Get Into Gate. You're not going to get a That's One. Excellent. <laughs> um, so the very, very first episode of The Next Generation, which was came out in, what, 1987 or mm. something like that. Um, oh, I say, mm, I have no idea. <laughs> Everyone's wearing their spacesuits. You've seen Patrick Stewart in yeah. a spacesuit and stuff stuff like that. Weirdly, Deanna Troy, only one, she's in a miniskirt and go-go boots, which mm. is kind of a throwback to, you know, the Kirk era ones and stuff like that. Yeah. But blink and you'll miss it and you actually see in the background um, there's dudes wearing that same outfit mm. because mm. Gene Roddenberry was like, well, by the 2360s when the show came, comes out, yeah. men will be able to wear, like there won't be gendered clothing. Anyone can wear whatever they want and yeah. we're getting very close to that now, which mm. is great. But then like, you know, the... The shows that I watched sort of before I got a Next Generation, which is Voyager and Deep Space Nine, like Captain Janeway as the captain of the ship, her uniform is no different to the men's uniforms, yeah. you know? Yes, there's the problems of a couple of the characters, like Seven of Nine are in this skin-tight lycra, as we won't get into that. They, they're, <laughs> they're not officers, it's fine. But it's like, typically speaking, if you're a Starfleet officer, whether you're a male, female, or however you identify in between, you're all wearing the exact same costume. Mm. And it was it's never mentioned. Mm. I think the only slight difference is some of the shorter character, female characters, if you watch very, very closely, it's hidden, but they'll be in, you know, three-inch heel boots. Yeah. Whereas, like, Terry Farrell, who we both know from um, uh, Becca and all yep. that kind of stuff, she's, like, 
5'11", mm-hmm. she was in flats the whole time because yeah, right. they didn't want her towering <laughs> over the rest of the characters. So it's like, yeah, I personally don't need a, a, a signal boost of, oh, Supergirl's not wearing a skirt. Just put her in a cool outfit. Mm. Like the, the outfit that, what's the Supergirl from the CW? What's the actress's name? Oh my God! Why, uh, uh, Melissa Benoist? That's yeah. it. Yeah, that costume she was in 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 the last season or whatever it was when she got like just the full onesie costume. Mm. That was a sick costume. Mm. She could have mm. had that in the first season. I think all of her costumes actually, like whether yeah. it was the skirt and the boots or the or the onesie situation. I think all of them look good. Yeah, yeah. They look. So it's like, but you could have. She could have just put that first suit on in the first episode and not said a single word about any skirts mm. or boots or. Anything. I wouldn't have batted an eye because the the Sasha Cowley or Sasha Cal, the actress who's playing her in uh, in the Flash, the one shot that we have seen where it's her behind mm. the scenes, sort of like you know levitating, and they haven't got the cape because they do the cape in post. Yeah, she's like in a friggin'. Um, it's it's very much a female version of the Henry Cavill outfit. Mm. Like there is no skirt. It's just yeah. It's a Actually, skin tight onesie. We were but talking it, about it before. It even reminds me of the the new Jonathan Kent Superman mm, um, mm. shot that has like the red coming down yeah. the middle of the chest and the red across the shoulder. Shoulders, yes, which I love. Yeah. The look at that costume; it looks really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm excited about this one mainly because of how passionate Gunn was, and and of all the comics that they referenced, I think maybe because it felt a little bit more approachable. Superman, Woman of Tomorrow. The fact that it was an eight issue run, and I'm like, oh, I can read that quickly, mm. and it's wrapped up, so I don't have to worry about it going on and <laughs> me not being able to afford new issues or falling off it or something. So I went on to buy it almost immediately, and sold out like all yeah, these wow. issues that were referenced yeah that is a real and that yeah that you're right that is actually the costume from the flash was oh, yeah it? like it like yeah, it's cool. it's it's red over the shoulders and comes down yeah, yeah that v sort of type yeah. very very cool so um as soon as that comes back in i would actually like to watch that which is kind of spoiling the movie for me i guess if it's an overall like adaptation it, it's not going to be exactly but um i kind of want to pay some respect to some of the comics that these things are being credited with yeah. um, having um, inspired them. So um, that just to me seems like it's a, a bit of an, an well, easy one to pick up. It provides much, much needed context sometimes too because sometimes yeah. you just go, I don't get what they're trying to do. Mm. And if you understand the source material, then you go, oh, I get it now. That makes, okay, I, I have this little piece. That's why I'm one of those nerds that listens to um, director's commentaries mm-hmm. and stuff like that because there's so many things where I go, oh, I totally didn't get that the first time. And yeah. then when I watch it again, I'm like, that's actually really fucking clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that brings me to Swamp Thing, the last thing we're going to talk about. A very dark horror story in the origins of the monster who is Swamp Thing. And although it's totally outside of the rest of the DCU, it will still feed into the rest of the stories. Meh. Yeah, I don't know much about Swamp Thing. I know there's a lot of love for the character and, mm. you know, you've had Alan Moore obviously on it and things like that. So revered writers, you know, iconic um, people behind it. And there was a – it had its own live action TV series a couple of years ago, which I – it was one of those, you know, cult hits. Everyone who loved it really liked it, but not a lot of people watched it, so they so they canned yeah, it. Yeah, you know? look, I'm, I'm probably the wrong audience for it because it does tie into that sort of horror genre more. Like, mm. I still haven't gone and seen that werewolf thing that Marvel did. I, I see, I... Not because it was bad, because I'm tired and I sleep three hours a night. I fell asleep halfway through. It's an hour long. It's 45 minutes long. Yeah. I still need to go back and, and re-watch yeah, that. So- but I like that they open up the door to that side of the universe because, you know, yeah. for me, I'm like, I love Blade. So I'm like, well, that opens mm. the door up. And that's, you know, the whole gods and monsters thing. And I love when they refer to DC as being like, you know, Marvel is kind of science gone wrong a lot of the time, whereas yeah. DC is 
it's it's gods, it's you gods. know. Aside, Magic. aside from Batman, you know, it's yeah. essentially just these godlike characters. Yeah. The whole gods and monsters thing is that you can have Swamp Thing. Mainstream-wise, he's not popular, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, it's comic people. But, like, you, the you and me, the, the movie watchers that see a trailer or see a poster at a cinema two weeks out from release, they have no idea who he is. But you get him and it opens up after all this other stuff that we've seen in the slate so far. If this is to be the last one, I don't think it will be because they're already talking, like, James Mangold, the guy who's directing the new Indiana Jones movie and who directed Logan, Matty, mm-hmm. uh, is... Uh, is Great. You know, 40 minutes at the start there. <laughs> yeah. Amazing trailer. Yes. Oh, my God. Such a oh, great trailer. Tear-jerking uh, trailer. I, I like the movie. I like the movie. I just like, I can't, I, I don't like, say I like, that too loudly in this room. I like the first act. Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, that he's, uh, he, he like took a screenshot and put it on his um, story or something, a Swamp Thing. So like people are like, oh, he's eyeing oh. off directing it. So if they're already talking director, maybe that's coming early. But the idea that that could open up the world for the, the monsters, the supernatural mm. side, maybe that's how we get a new Constantine, who is a character that has been on the mainstream stage before, whether it's Keanu. Reeves or it's um, uh, Legend of Tomorrow uh, with uh, Matt someone sure god damn it why don't I remember names Matt, right now he Matt was CW yep I wouldn't yeah. say Matt Smith I'm like it's not the doctor nah. mate uh, but um, that Matt Ryan Matt Ryan who uh, played yeah. him on his own show that I really liked what I saw of that haven't yeah. seen it all and liked him again on Legends of Tomorrow even though it was probably a watered down version I've seen some animated Constantine stuff that was pretty fun mm. um, there was what was that one I think you mean Terry was sharing around a few years ago might have been from like Justice League Dark or something like that where it Turns out his ex was like kill a shark at some point, and I'm like, that's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, like your your swamp things, your Solomon Grundies. Mm. I got no interest in those. Yeah, they don't do anything for me. Yeah, so. I, I'm, I'm, I like my traditional ones, but you know what? Mm. It's I, I feel like if you get me at the start of the MCU and you mm. say this is what we're going to do first up, I'm like, great. And they go, what about these other characters? I'm like, not interested. Yeah. And here we are. I'm thinking that the thing started MCU not even 15 years ago. Come April or May, it'll be 15 years since Iron Man. Mm. We're about to have Ant-Man 3 mm. come out. Quantum Mania. Quantum Mania, right? We're introducing Kang, well, kind of. Um, you know, mm. by the end of the year, what else have we got coming out in uh, in Marvel? Why am I blanking on the Marvel slate? We've got your Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. What? We, this year, Mitchell, some point in this calendar year, mm. you and I are going to be crying in a cinema together <laughs> over the death of a CGI anthropomorphic raccoon. <laughs> That flies in a spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's our lives. Yeah. That's what's going to be happening. Seems to be the hot tip. Yeah. 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 Or we're going to be, you know, teared up over his love for an otter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's just what life is. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm open to, like, your swamp things and your Solomon Grundies. Like, um, when, when people always whinge and bitch about, you know, gender swapping or race swapping a character and stuff like that, yeah, there's certain characters where I go, oh, I'd love it if they, were, if they were the way that I remember them as a kid. But I don't really care. And my favourite example of that is Nick Fury. Mm. Now, when I was a kid, Nick Fury looked like David Hasselhoff. <laughs> and I couldn't have given two shits mm. about Colonel Fury or whoever the fuck he was. Mm. Even as early as, was it two, uh, early 2000s, in the same cartoon show that um, X-20, was created X-Men Evolution um, they were still doing a white uh, David Hasselhoff type um, 
you know, Colonel of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nick mm. Fury. Slowly after that, when they went, you know what? And they, they modeled him after um, Samuel L. Jackson, but they like made him a spy and made S.H.I.E.L.D. more, Shield more like a spy agency than it was a military agency and stuff like that. Suddenly Nick Fury became cool and yeah. interesting yeah. and he had he had secrets and he wore a trench coat and he was <laughs> fucking cool. He, I mean, he always had the eye patch, mm. but it's like he was just cooler. So it's like... If you can evolve a character like a Swamp Thing or a Solomon Grundy and just tweak the character a little bit, mm. that might pique my interest. Yeah. And suddenly I go, yeah, I fucking love that character. Mm. So that's why I'm kind of open. And we've spoken about it on podcasts you know, before about what they're going to do with the X-Men in the, in the MCU. And it's like whether they make Charles Xavier and Magneto people of color or something like mm. that to sort of help modernize it a little bit because they can't be from World War One or World War II. Yeah. You know, otherwise they're just going to be And have longevity. They can be, but they can't have longevity yeah, in the franchise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. Cool. Let you know where where it makes sense. Let's mm. change from few th- a few things up, and it's like, yeah, well, maybe they'll do that with the Supergirl or the um, Swamp Thing and stuff like that, mm. and maybe I'll be down for it. And maybe with, like I said before, the dropping us in the middle of an already thriving universe that's got all these characters, when you get you know a, a Grundy or something that, generally speaking, the mainstream audience has never heard of before, mm. we don't have to. You know, have a Batman film and say, hey, we're going to give you another new villain that you've never seen on screen before. And then the movie kind of lives or dies through this new villain, whether he works or not, whether we can come to love him because you've got to introduce him to us, tell us why he's new to the world. Mm. You know, why does why has Gotham never heard of him? Why is he a threat to these people? What was his backstory? Whereas if you drop us in the middle of it, as much as I love seeing everything start, if everything just already exists... Again, there's some weird mental block where we just we stop refusing to believe that maybe it's believable in that world, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't, you know, his own existence doesn't live or die by us seeing 40 minutes of his life over the space of a film or something. Mm. So, you know, I, I would like to see the movies ongoing, but I'd like to see the, the, the origins of a lot of stuff and, and things begin. But if you drop us yeah, in the middle of it, it's just like, hey, it's 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 going. We trust that you know a lot of stuff. You know whether we don't have to see the pearls of Batman. We don't have to see Krypton exploding again. Mate, we can refer to them. We can see them in mm. flashbacks or something. But we're going to trust just like little old Spider Man in Amer- in Captain America's Civil War. You know what happened to Peter Parker, right? Yeah. You've seen it twice in live action. You've read comics. You've heard. You've seen cartoons. You get it. It's not going to change what you think of the character ongoing if you don't see it. So we're just going to drop you in the middle, have fun with it. Everything is a little bit more believable if you don't have to believe the origin along the way. Mm. So it might be the best decision, dropping us in the middle. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant in extreme excitement because we're going to see a Themyscira pre-Wonder Woman. It's obviously going to be set you know, in the past, yeah. I would assume, because otherwise, how do you get the Trinity together? Uh, a young Superman in these early days, and then Batman, who's a something veteran by now. Mm. And I'm like, I want to know his history with the Robins. How is it fair to the character of Robin and Nightwing, Dick Grayson, all over, that we saw him last in 1998 or seven, whenever Batman and Robin was? People didn't seven. like the film. It's been 26 years since then, mm. and all of a sudden, we're like. And and he only called himself Nightwing as a joke. Absolutely. Like, why why have we not been allowed to re-explore that? Okay, yeah, Titans, I get it. But, like, as far as Mm. a a, a big mainstream movie, giving the... Batman's sidekick, for all intents and purposes. Batman's, you know, arguably the biggest superhero of all time. Yeah. And the movies. He's had more superhero movies, solo superhero movies, than any other character. 
and we can't even let Nightwing live or Robin live a little bit more. We're going to now tell a film where he was, oh, Robin, that was years ago. We might not even bring him in yet. So mm. um, I wish we would see a lot of stuff, but hey, trust the process. Maybe a, maybe a, a early Superman, whatever Wonder Woman's doing in an old Batman will all work together. But again, we just left a, a universe uh, where a lot of those things were already happening and people didn't like that. Mm. Okay, they didn't like other things, but still the thematics of those particular elements of the characters, then, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, I mean hey, I'm excited. We, I'm excited that we got a plan. This is a guy who made a successful uh, Scooby-Doo movie 20 years ago. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, made us enjoy uh, Talking Tree and yeah. Raccoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone can doubt. And th- then they can doubt. Made, made me, mm. made me of all people enjoy DC characters from a DC film when you yeah. move them over to a TV show. Yeah, well, one a, character. a pseudo sequel to a film mm. that you didn't like and then a TV spin-off from that and you're yeah. like, yeah. From a guy who I've never seen wrestle once. Yeah. So... <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think, I th- you know, we, we've had their CEO or someone come out at like a, a an investors meeting and go, oh, so if we're going to make a Flash film and then we're going to make a uh, Cyborg movie uh, mm. and then Justice League 2 in 2021. That's what's going to happen. Sounds and like it, a YouTube video that I was watching the other day because like, all the all the Black Panther were kind of forever deleted scenes have been mm. coming out through, through. I was watching this video on YouTube the other day and this chick's doing like a voiceover and she's, what did she say? She says, um, so here's the thing where Namar does blah, blah, blah mm. and then here's the thing where um, they're talking about the Dora Milaje. Mm. Doesn't know how to say the word. And then says, oh, and then here's the character Akoi. I'm like, bitch, have you even seen this film? <laughs> I left a comment. I got into the comment section, oh, Mitchell, no. and I called a bitch out and I said, Oi, <laughs> if you can't pronounce these three words, maybe I don't do a video on yeah. it. Because Ed- You know what? Editing exists. It doesn't make you look credible yeah. uh, if you can't pronounce the names of the characters in the film yeah. and you're devoting a 14-minute YouTube video <laughs> Um, to the deleted scene. Yeah, that's rough. She's like, thanks for the feedback. <laughs> oh, no, you got the auto response. Thanks yeah. so much. Well, there is a plan. It's all part of the plan. That's what we can be excited about, Maddie. So, uh, oh, that's what plan. That's was, what, that, was that close? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, I was going to do it, but I don't need to. You just did it. That was great. I just went, I just went yeah, I just, I just, in my head, I was saying, you want to know how I got these scars, but yeah. then I changed it to... Yes. All part of the plan. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay his performance, but mm. you, that's basically it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was brilliant. Yeah. I saw it. I saw a vision the other day where someone had like, I think they went in in like because CGI and 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 what do they call uh, it? Deep, uh, like all the deep, deep fake. fake. Yep. They removed the makeup mm. from him mm. in the scene where he's like in the rooftop bar or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, not way. Just very very basic when he doesn't have the Joker makeup on. Yeah, right. Yeah, creepy mm. and gross. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like that they did it. Well, yeah, hopefully the new title of the podcast doesn't come back to bite me in the ass in like three months and like, oh, we messed up. We're restarting again. But anyway, <laughs> up until then, we've got a lot to look forward to. We've got movies coming out over the next year and, hey, in a mm. month we'll be back here at least to talk about Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Have you? I don't want to put you on blast here, yes. Mitchell. Have you actually seen the first one oh, yet? Oh, you know I have. Yes, do, I do have. I know? Oh, that's what you watched I was like, your, you know I have. You watched yeah, it with the boys, didn't you? I did. Yes. I watched it with my boys, yeah. No, I really liked it. No, Meeting your yeah. children, because yes. I'm I'm one of your boys. You're my boys. But I mean, then I'm, I'm one gonna, of your boys. After this, I'm going to go I'm home to my boys. Boys yeah. with a Z. I'm yeah. boys with a Z. Yeah. Your children are your boys. Not with, with an I, with a Y, but with a Z. Yeah, Y with a Z. And yeah. now I'm going to go home to my boys with an S. Yes, correct. Plural. There's three of them, right. and we all watched Shazam together, and we really, really liked it. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. So I've got to definitely go along to see the second one in a month's time. Wunderbar. I don't know why I went German at the end. And I don't know what that means. It means wonderful in German. That makes sense. Wunderbar. Okay. 
Well, you're free to go now. You don't have to stick around for me actually dissecting three episodes of DC TV, CW, Belanti. Oh my God, I can't hear. I mean, don't don't I'm move. Already out the door. Don't I'm, move that quickly. I'm already out the door. I can't even hear. <laughs> right, I'm going to get into this quick. First up, we're going to be talking about Supergirl's return. Are uh, the Flash? Episode 5 of Season 7. At first up, Batwoman. It's kind of like a new season, Maddie, because they they didn't do like... It's not like a mid-season finale thing. I, I want to say that what they've done for the first eight episodes, or what they did do, because it was years ago... Wait, did, which, is this the first Batwoman or the second Batwoman? Where we're up you, to the second Batwoman. Okay. But the first eight episodes of Season 2, mm. which were all the new Batwoman, they were trying to convince us that old Batwoman was still going to come back. And it's like, Ruby Rose ain't coming back. Now, in the mm. first okay, first minutes of, of season two, she's dead. Kate Kane, dead. Died in a plane accident. Dead. She's yeah, wow. dead, guys. She's dead. Stop looking. She's How dead. How could she be Batwoman if she's dead? But then it's like, no, she's been kidnapped. The death was fake. Isn't that what they said about Bruce Wayne in the first season? Uh, he was just gone. Oh. Yeah, he was just gone. I thought he was dead, but then secretly... Well, I think as far as the world's concerned, maybe yeah, he's yeah. someone dead. They try so to they're trying to believe for... that Kate Kane's still alive, but she's already making alterations to the outfit so they can fit the new girl. Well, there's there's that too. I mean, there's things they're going to have to discuss when she gets back. And I mean, then... This is the longest I've ever spoken about this show in my entire <laughs> life. They, they kind of told us last week in episode eight, no, she's dead. She's dead. I'm so sorry. We feel, we were fooling the characters. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I'm the audience. Mm. And I know the actress said, fuck you and left. Yeah. Why were you doing that to us in a kind of convincing way? Like, we know it wasn't real, but you were pretending that it was to us and the characters. And then it's done. And then that CW little, little end final six seconds bit, they go down and they show you something. Holy shit, she's still alive. And I'm like, but Ruby Rose ain't coming back. And then this episode, we've got Justin Bieber in a wig. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about it. But they, the the one of the first things they show in this episode is she's like covered in bandages, and they talk about the fact that oh man, I don't know what she's gonna look like when we take this off. She's oh, gonna, they went full days of our lives on it. Kind of. <laughs> now I know okay. enough about this show that another actress does actually come into the show to play that character for a serviceable um, purpose. I'm gonna describe a visual image to you that summarizes the entire. <laughs> CW television <laughs> series. This includes Riverdale as well. Has it got smell-o-vision? Um, anything like, is it stink, anything that Belandi has put his little monkey mitts on. Oh, you liked Love, Simon. Did he do that? Yeah, that was Belanti. I Wait, think he directed the it. movie. Yes. Nah, Love, Victor. I like the TV show. The movie. The movie's boring. Oh, okay. I thought, Love, okay. Love, Victor on um, uh, Disney Plus. Yes. Stars if you're in the United States. Great show. Okay. Um, this is my visual depiction mm-hmm. of... Anything Belanti has touched as far as like superheroes go, and including Riverdale. Okay, <laughs> so it's it's you zoomed in, and it's just the wheel of like a four wheel drive, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's just stuck in the mud, and the wheel's just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. That is every episode yeah. of the CW, right. right? But then there's that moment where the grip just grabs for a second, and you see the wheel just kind of rock forward a little yeah. bit. That's the final scene of every CW show. Oh, right. And then you come back. The, you come back the next week, right. and it's just that same tire just spinning in the mud, just going. I thought no movement. I thought you were going to say the movement was every episode of Superman and Lois because that's actually like that's kind of all right. But then the yeah. franchise overall keeps it stale and and yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I will separate Superman and Lois from 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 that because well, I, as far as I heard, and I mentioned last week, so do they in season two. Oh, good, yeah, excellent. They remove yeah. themselves as well, and that show's not going anywhere mm. either. That's uh, it's season three premieres in a month, and they've said it'll probably last. Four I mean, or five. to be fair, I remember enjoying the first season of Arrow and the first season of Flash before they shit the bed. So I guess Super- second season of Arrow for me was peak. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that was when you had uh, my mate Manu Bennett. Yeah, no, I didn't like that too much because that also then, had um, Summer Glau as like baby Deathstroke, right? Or was she later? Maybe, maybe, the, maybe, maybe yeah. girl, maybe, maybe girl Deathstroke. Yeah, I yeah. completely forgot. <laughs> that's because you. That's because you've seen so many more episodes than I have. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So Superman and Lois have still got plenty of time to shit the bed. Yeah, because they're oh, only, yeah. they're only a couple of seasons in. So I yes. could c- cut to us this time next year, and I could absolutely fucking hate Superman and Lois. Yeah. So we'll see how we go. There's okay. still plenty of time. So I'll sign you up for Superman and Lois episodes and Donald Faison on Legends of Tomorrow. Tentative yes. Yay! <laughs> Tentative yay! Now for in, something... In four years when you get to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, right now I am doing this, and I'm doing it solo. Batwoman Season 2, Episode 9. Okay, bye! <laughs> Have fun! Now that we're at the stage where I'm finally watching fresh episodes of these series and not just retreading old podcasts long ago recorded... It's been a minute since I really watched episode eight. And because of that, the opening monologue from Ryan at the start of the episode is a really wild ride to listen to. Unbeknownst to us, Julia Pennyworth spent months with the recovery team combing the ocean floor for any sign of you. She found something called a peridial skull bone in the shores outside of Bloodhaven. Had three different labs match it to your DNA. It was enough to confirm you were gone. And since I can't exactly be there to say goodbye in person, I have another idea. This plant was my connection to my mama. Then it turned out to be more than a plant. It's a desert rose from Coriana, probably snuck over to the States by an islander named Ocean who eventually gave it to my ex for safekeeping, who then gave it to me, having no idea that his serum was actually a miracle cure. But speaking of fresh, This episode does feel like the start of a new season. I said at the end of the last episode, and in our last podcast, that episode eight of Batwoman really feels like the end of this mini-series between two fuller seasons, or at least I hope so, what's going to be the rest of season two, even though this episode still does deal a lot with some Kate Kane stuff. Now, you might remember I had a big problem with the first couple of episodes of The Flash this season. It's inability to let us, the audience, believe that a core character was dead. Even for just one episode, we were not allowed to think that. Here, though, the cold open is all about Kate finally being laid to rest, her death is being accepted by those who love her, only to be beaten to the opening credits by our first look at Black Mask, seemingly talking to a disguised or disfigured Kate hidden behind bandages a la some kind of facial reconstruction on some awful daytime soap drama. We're the audience. We're the fans of this show. We know Ruby Rose, the lead actress that played Kate Kane, is done with the show. She is not coming back. Why are you pushing on with the Kate not being dead agenda? Especially come the end of the episode where Black Mask and newbie Enigma talk about Kate's face being... Different. Poor thing. What happened to her face? She fought my men while they were pulling her from the plane. 
didn't go so well for I suppose it's for the best. Facial recognition leads to memory recall. So, Kate's dead. From minute one of this season, she is dead. Except she might not be. She definitely isn't. But then she is. And her coming back this whole time has been a ruse. So she's definitely dead. But only for a second. And she's really been alive this whole time. So she is alive. But she's going to look different than what we're used to. So she's coming back? Then why the whole third of a season circus? Guys, come on! Now, as for the rest, I actually did really like Black Mask's involvement. And I will admit, I actually don't know much about the character aside from Ewan McGregor's turn in Birds of Prey. But as far as a big bad goes, they certainly set him up well from the start. And this brutality, literally sawing a guy in half, my God! All the while, his public persona is campaigning to assist the police in cleaning up the streets of Gotham and ridding it of the very gangs that he controls. Of course, we're not meant to know that that's him yet, even though it's pretty goddamn obvious, right? And also, did they forget to flange up Batwoman's voice? Just after her escape from Black Mask, Batwoman rescues Angelique, who, of course, knows Ryan very, very well, and Batwoman speaks to her without her voice modulator. Twice. You're safe now. I got you. Damn. Ryan was actually serious. Angelique's going to take down Face, And we're going to protect her. So anyway, the Kate Kane stuff looks like it's going to linger around. Maybe not be the focus of any given episode, at least for a while. It might just be threatening to come back towards the end of the season. But we are finally into a new season of Batwoman starring the new Batwoman, Ryan. Until, of course, we're not because Kate's coming back. Who the hell knows what's going on at this point? Now, usually this is where we would talk about Superman and Lois, but after last week's episode five of season one, the show took hiatus for a couple of weeks. In its place was the return of Supergirl in her final season. Season six, it's episode one, Rebirth. And much like The Flash a few weeks ago, and I don't want to compare everything to that show for a different reason, but I had no idea what was happening when this show opened. And the opening of this season return seems to pick up in the middle of a scene from last season that was never quite finished. We were literally dropped in the middle of something really important going on, and I can't remember it ever truly starting in the first place. And for someone who forgot where we were at, this scene was a lot. There's a very green brainiac dying, radiation swarming around him, Dreamer seeming to Doctor Strange herself through physical matter. Which have we even seen that before? I don't I don't know, but that seemed to not be that big a video that she was doing it. And the Leviathan leader made of electricity sprouting the most low-grade villain lines I've heard in quite some time. You you cannot kill technology. But technology can kill you. But you know what? I'll chalk all that up to me. It's my own fault for not remembering what's going on. So let's push through. The Leviathan energy transfer has been initiated. Are you all right? I'd say I'm more than all right. 
Okay, I'm definitely still missing some stuff here. And still, a lot like The Flash, it seems like we're picking up at the beginning of the final act of the previous season that never came. So much of this episode seems very climactical to the point where I wondered if I'd even missed a few episodes at the end of last season. I was stuck in the Phantom Zone replaying the destruction of my planet for nearly a decade. Bring it on. When did that happen? Like, I think I have a memory of her being there, but not for that great a time. I love you. I love you. Always. Always. Also, as far as my memory served, I thought her sister Alex still had no idea who Supergirl really was. So when did that get fixed? And how bad of a fan of this show am I? Anyway, I guess the part of Kara being stuck in the fandom zone doesn't really matter now because she's back there. And one positive on Supergirl is that this actually feels like they have wrapped up the previous season's missing episodes in one, rather than the three that it took The Flash. Now, look, no doubt there's still going to be plenty of post-Lex Luthor trying to kill everyone that didn't like him stuff going on as this final season kicks on, but this very much felt like the missing final piece of season five. Rushed? Yeah, kind of. But done and ready to move on to a proper new season? I hope so. Episode 2. I'm looking at you, buddy. The Flash, Episode 5 of Season 7. It's called Fear Me. Now, after kind of still shitting on the beginning of this season over the last couple of minutes, it's safe to say that we're back to normal. After that three-episode Season 6 epilogue at the start of the season, things did feel normal enough last week with Abra, but now back-to-back villains of the week. It's like old-school Flash. Only it isn't. The one thing that's always annoyed me about shows like this is that there is always a seasonal villain, but baddies of the week to break things up along the way. And when they do, the seasonal villain opts to take the week off. And as such, the hero team basically forgets that they're even out there. Here, though, the two baddies of the week so far. Well, at least Psyche and Fuerza. 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 Spanish for strength. But She-Hulk was taken, okay? Both, we're told at the end of the episode, have something to do with something greater than even the personified version of the Speed Force seems to be part of and be at risk from. And is the hint right there in The Flash's nightmares? Is all this leading to some all-out speed-off and we get Thrawn, Savitar, and the likes of all the speedsters we've met along the way back? Arrow is probably the only other of these shows that I remember really having the occasional baddie of the week play into the seasonal villain. It's early days yet. We're only into episode five, but some overall arc would be nice already, even though we're kind of only two episodes into the season proper, especially since we're dealing with an 18-episode season as opposed to the regular 22. And Clifford! Clifford is back. Well, okay, he's not back, but his chair is. And I think I just really wanted to say Clifford the way that his wife did back in, what, season five? So we get DeVoe's chair, Cecile takes to it like Professor X to connect with everybody in the city and combat Sykes' fear-induced nightmares. Cecile gets worried that using the chair will turn her evil like DeVoe, which we're not even a third of the way into the season. Is this going to play a part? Is, is Cecile this secondary protagonist going to invade the rest of the season by becoming some kind of surprise bad guy? I hope not, but it would give her something a little bit more interesting to do along the way, I guess. 
quite often on these shows, the subtext becomes the text. So let's put a marker in that and just see what happens. One big gripe I have, though, is something I said last week, and it does happen so much. I should just really let it go by now. But I get this season is filmed in a quote-unquote working through COVID world, but having no one around in big settings really looks bad and it's starting to look really really bad for the flash because it's happening every week so when psych is standing street level seemingly in the middle of central city spraying his bad guy monologue there is not one other soul to be seen and there is a lot of background behind him i get that we see almost immediately that a lot of people being targeted are asleep so it's late at night right but then you're telling me in a town like central city there isn't one person walking the street, not one car driving around. Can't we just put Psyche on top of a building overlooking the city? Then the monologue that only he can hear makes a little bit more sense and him, quote-unquote again, speaking to the city makes more sense as well because he can see so much of it. And then us not seeing anybody so far below him really wouldn't bother us so much because standing just off an intersection in the middle of a city looks laughable. And it makes me think of what led up to that moment. Is is Psyche walking the streets in that mask? And does he just stop at some random place thinking, yeah, 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 I, th- I think this is about as menacing as of places I can find. This is perfect. Let me do it here. But like I said, it's not new and I should just let it go. And if anything, this episode really just felt like it was there to lay down the seeds of obviously something is wrong with the Speed Force, which we just got Barry Speed back. Why are we already having troubles? He's put himself back into cryo. And that there is some lingering fear inside him, more than usual about his responsibility to his friends in the city, that something will go wrong and he will be the cause of it. And we barely get a glimpse of what that is. So it's bound to play some kind of further role in the next couple of episodes. What it means for the season overall and how the rogues are going to come into that and play their part, we're yet to see. So I like what it's doing, what this episode was trying to say for the character and what it means for him ongoing over the next 14 15 episodes, but stretching it out to be a 42-minute piece, uh, just not sure. Well, that's it for a very long It's All Part of the Plan, episode 10. Thank you for listening to Maddie and I break down our thoughts on the DC slate and what's to come in the DCU now that we're going to finally have one with a proper name, wherever it might start. Blue Beetle, Aquaman, maybe The Flash, maybe not until he brings out Creature Commandos. We'll see. But those are our thoughts. Let us know your thoughts on the slate. What are you most excited for? What are you least looking forward to? Hit us up on the socials. Drop us an email. Getintogeek at gmail.com. We'd love to see them, and I'd love to read some of that out on a future episode. Obviously, just before we hit publish on this week's episode, the Flash trailer dropped at the Super Bowl. We will be breaking that down in our next episode as we look forward to that movie coming out in June. No doubt there'll be plenty of other DC news over the next week as we lead into our next podcast because there always is. As far as the DC TV reviews go, next week it's just the two episodes. Batwoman has another week off, so it will just be Supergirl in the Flash. We'll catch you back next week for another episode of It's All Part of the Plan. Get into Geek.